For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Extraordinary uh, court case going on at the moment where um, uh, a young man who's a YouTuber and used a YouTube video game live stream in inverted commas as um, an alibi. Uh, he's before the court. It's alleged that he killed an expectant mother, a fellow called Stephen McCullough, 32-year-old. So he's been remanded in custody. He was in district court yesterday, charged with the murder of Natalie McNally in County Armagh last December. She was only 32. She was 15 weeks pregnant at the time. It's so a front page of making uh, the mail this morning because it's alleged that he staged a live video broadcast on the night that the pregnant woman was stabbed to death in her own home. And that's really what's absolutely intriguing the court at the moment. That and also the other allegations, one including the fact that it's alleged that he, um, he attempted to determine if the family suspected him of involvement in the killing. And to do that, it's claimed that he left his phone on record in the home of the McNally's parents and recorded 40 minutes of audio. It's an extraordinary court case and it's playing out at the moment. It makes the front of quite a number of papers, but the mail go into it in quite a lot of detail. story that we've been covering over the past couple of days, including yesterday, uh, to some extent more yesterday than the day before, and that is the protest, uh, not in Killeen's, because we've covered that also, but in McCroom. And now an injunction, an urgent injunction, uh, believed to be the first of its kind, has been granted against the protesters in McCroom. And the examiners say intimidating, threatening or obstructing construction workers trying to complete a seven-house development just outside McCroom. As you pass the old triangle and you're heading towards the graveyard, on the, on the right-hand side, you'll see these seven houses at, and at stages of development. But for many years now, I see it all of the time, just abandoned there. So uh, that was before the courts yesterday. Um, and uh, the judge gave an urgent injunction. And part of it was saying um, that there is nothing to say that they can't congregate on the public footpath, but not lying on the ground uh, by construction vehicles, um, not engaging in inappropriate threatening or intimidating employees. That is not a lawful protest. It was said in court that this is not a curtailment of free speech. Uh, it's not ex- so the urgent injunction stops them doing the things that I just read out that they're alleged to have been doing, preventing workers uh, getting onto the site. And of course, a lot of this started um, the day before yesterday when I received an email from a worker who was just trying to go to work on the site in construction uh, to, you know, get his wage and, you know, support his family. So that one makes the papers today. If you if you look at other stories related to housing or accommodation or lack of it, more misery on the way. And it's a front page in The Independent this morning. Sadly, we have yet another uh, mortgage interest rate hike. Um, and if you look at the cycle of increases since last summer, it just goes on and on and on. I think it's something in the region of, is it five or perhaps more uh, in the last, uh, since last summer, the back end of last summer? So... Very close now to 4% as the Irish banks start to pass on the costs on more types of customers who have various loans, including mortgages. Now, it comes as little consolation to anyone um, who's trying to pay their mortgage that people who have money uh, on deposit, like savers, get a boost out of this because the banks are also going to lift the rates that it pays to depositors. But I wouldn't hold my breath and that being any kind of a decent increase in interest rates. But the real story, of course, is those that are going to be paying hundreds more per month um, in mortgage payments. And it's the fifth hike since the summer. So the European Central Bank keeps doing its own thing. 
A lot of it under the guise of trying to control inflation and what have you, and the banks just pass it on. And it, um, I, I guess that you'll also see the banks still churning out massive, massive profits. Because a lot of these increases in all kind of businesses of this magnitude have to do with protecting profits, you know, ring-fencing them. Like Shell, they've recorded 40 billion euro, sorry, 40 billion dollars, what's the difference anyway? 40 billion profit in a year of war, right? In a year of war, as in uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So Shell, I mean, they really have been enjoying the windfalls of war. When you post profits like that of over 40 billion, it's actually the highest in the oil and gas giant's history. And they've been around for 115 years. So in a year of war, they make the most money. Is that not profiting from the windfalls of war? And I find it extraordinary that Miho Martin says that the tax care, taxpayer can't pick up the tab for compensation for all sorts of different compensation uh, claims. I, I wonder why. If, for instance, the taxpayer has been wronged or the Irish citizen has been wronged or shortchanged or hoodwinked by the state, why shouldn't the state, whomever that is, compensates the people who have been hurt. I mean, you wouldn't get away with that if you went into the revenue. Say, ah, yeah, I know, yeah, but listen, I, I, I really shouldn't be the one not to do this. Or you wouldn't get away with that in a court of law if there had been a case found against you and there was some kind of, ah, yeah, I know, but listen, I, I don't think I should be the one. I mean, you got to pay your way. And that includes the government. That includes Ireland, actually, unfortunately, if people have been wronged. But they've no problem then sending out to tender a new government jet. You know that Learjet? My God, we've got some serious amount of column inches from that Learjet 45, which came into our operation in 2004. Problem with this, it's getting old now and it's unreliable, apparently. It was first used back in 2004, as they say, and they want a new one. One of the problems with this is if they ever wanted to jet off to uh, America or Canada, they um, wouldn't be able to get there in the Learjet because it wouldn't be able to fly that far. I don't think they'd be keen to refuel it in the air. It's only got a distance of 3,700 kilometres. So it could get to most places, but not America or Canada. It's nothing funny about this because it's going to cost an arm and a leg, of course. Very cleverly yesterday, one of the reasons they gave out was, uh, you know, it's not necessarily just politicians that are being ferried around in the Learjet, but they say they also use it for medical emergencies. So it makes us kind of feel, oh, well, maybe it's not such a bad idea. Um, one thing, anyway, that nobody's going to complain about is the fact that the marquee is safe this year and probably for next year and possibly for another few years. We announced yesterday Rod Stewart will play um, uh, the marquee. That's probably the third gig now from Rod Stewart in a decade, which is great news, but he's one of the Live, Ar- Live of the Marquee announcements of late. And Peter Aiken says that um, it will stay in its current location for the foreseeable future. Now, there ultimately will be development and building and construction, but maybe not today and maybe not tomorrow. And I'm hoping that Aiken will then decide to just find an alternative location. Like they say that in the Echo this morning, Breda Graham says if the site becomes unavailable at some stage, uh, Peter Aiken said that he would have to consider the option before moving the series elsewhere in Cork. So he's not saying he definitely would find another location. But, I mean, it's been, it's been hugely successful for them and for Cork. And he's quoted in the Echo as saying that it's been great for the city when you see the lineup of artists that have played over the years. Um, he figures that 1.2 million people have gone to the gigs in the marquee over the years. There's a lot before the courts today um, in the court reports. One is uh, the fact that somebody's got jail, and rightly so, for 18 months. Uh, the character before the courts, fellow by the name of David Cronin, had 107 previous convictions, 35 for bug- burglary, uh, 9 for theft, robbery, things like that, and um, public order offences. 
But he was before the court uh, yesterday for thousands of euro worth of jewellery stolen from a house in Tivoli. Where was it hidden? Well, it was hidden under a rock behind a wheelie bin on Dunbar Street. I haven't got time to go into how that was found, but but it was. And the judge imposed a sentence of three years with half of it suspended. He pleaded guilty, apparently. And then we have more knife crime, more slash attacks in the city. This could have been a box cutter. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but the judge said that the aggravating factor in the case included the use of a knife or box cutter. So it's one or the other. But it inflicted serious injuries and it happened in the full view of citizens, including children in Cork City. So a mallow man who did the slashing of another man um, from the back, rather cowardly, across the back of the head in full view of uh, shoppers has been has been jailed. Now, he got uh, a sentence of three years with with uh, six months suspended um, but the injured party had slash wounds that required 36 staples, numerous stitches, uh, CCTV um, shows the attack, shows the victim attacked from behind and repeatedly being slashed across the back of the head. It really is savage, absolutely. And one other thing, and I really do like this, because Kinsale Sevens is coming up again and the event happens in April. And all too often, of course, there is quite an amount of use of all sorts of illegal substances and narcotics at that event. So Judge James McNulty um, was talking about this yesterday. I guess they must have been before the court for, you know, I don't know, planning or, you know, uh, you know the, whatever regulations you have to meet before they're, they're granted the, the right to have the Kinsale Sevens every year. And he said that they're going to have to put special signs at the rugby grounds and in the town of Kinsale to remind people of the consequences of being caught with drugs. Now, there's been a spate of prosecutions for cocaine possession at previous events. So he said, you need to put up signage. And, and I hope that that signage is, is really kind of hard hit and saying, if you're caught, this is what will happen. If you're caught, this is what will happen. This will be, I was going to say, you know, possible jail sentence, possible fine, you know, restriction of your movement if you're caught. Also, the issues regarding long-term addictions. So in fairness, to him, in fairness, he has the power to do these kind of things and he's using it wisely. And thankfully, the organisers are agreeing to the conditions allowing for the special licence to be granted. Um, and the judge, James McNulty, said, we're not dealing with children here. We're dealing with young adults and older adults, and they need to be aware of boundaries and consequences. Don't we all? And we need to be reminded of that. Boundaries and consequences. Well, boundaries are interesting because we have over 5,000 people entered the Republic of Ireland last year with no documents whatsoever. Now, you just can't have that in any kind of way. You need at borders to have documentation. Um, yesterday, Billy Keller, who was arguing that point, saying a lot of the time refugees and asylum seekers come into the country without any documentation because they are fleeing war and oppression. But unfortunately, a lot of the time, it would not appear as if those that are coming in undocumented are indeed destroying their documents on aeroplanes actually are fleeing anything. They may want to, they may want a better life. I get that. Uh, but over, if the figure has gone alarmingly very high, 5,074 up to November of last year, um, compared to 2021, when there was only 2,082 came into the country without passports of travel documents. This has been made even worse now because the British government, when asylum seekers arrive, they automatically deport them to Rwanda, Right? for processing. You imagine that. They go from the UK straight to Rwanda and they're processed. So that for a lot of people who want to get into countries under the International Protection Order, that has made the UK a no-go area and Ireland a lot more 
um, I suppose, inviting, if you like. What isn't inviting, though, for Katie Taylor is Croke Park. As looking at it this morning, um, she wanted to fight in Croke Park. There could have been 70 or 80 or 100,000 people at the fight in Croke Park. But the security cost alone, they're saying, would have been half a million. And they're comparing the rent if they wanted to have the fight at Croke Park at 400,000 euro for Croke Park when you can get Wembley for about 250,000. So, you know, again... Why is Ireland so expensive? Why is it so dear for everything? Wouldn't it have been a fantastic event? And they're saying, don't rule it out. It could still happen. So we'll have to wait and see. A lot of lighthearted stories uh, making the papers today. Uh, a lot of them are food-related, actually. For some reason, and I've said this many times, the papers are infatuated with how much it costs to keep prisoners in Ireland. Sometimes it's the talk shop. Sometimes it's the channels on their television. This morning, it has to do with the amount of money spent feeding uh, prisoners. Um, and the types of food, anything from hoisin chicken thighs all the way over to coddle and everything in between. But as I've always said, if your freedom has been curtailed, you need feeding and the food should be good. So 60 million is the amount of money that's been spent on grub uh, for prisoners in the last six years. So that works out at 10 million uh, a year, if you like, since uh, 2000. Uh, and 16, the stats go back to that far. You want to be taking a close look at what you have in your attic because you be, could be sitting on major moolah with the stuff that's in the attic and the sun this morning says, what could be up there that's worth money for you? Well, clearly furniture, you'd never know. You might have antiques up there from another generation or other time. Game tech, a lot of old Super Nintendos and Game Boys and stuff like that. They're fetching big money on eBay at the moment. Comics. The older the comic, the better condition it's in, the more money you'll make for it, particularly if it's pristine. Like a comic book featuring the first appearance of Spider-Man sold for three and a half million euro on eBay in 2014. Dandies fetch big money. There was a dandy uh, fetched five and a half grand. Um, and if it, if it comes with the original toy, anybody remember the old days? You get a comic and you get a toy with it. A lot of the time it was a whistle. Way back with the boy, with certainly with the teenage magazines, you get used to get these very, very light, flimsy, plastic seven-inch singles. You guys don't know what seven-inch singles are, do you? No? Brain dead? No? Tumbleweed? There were small little records that were round and round that were called singles. They say they do, they're offended. Um, but they used, to, they used to come on um, some of the teenage magazines back in the day. Really, really flimsy, almost like paper thin at the time. So if, you've, if you have a magazine or a comic or anything like that, in its original condition, with the toy attached, for instance, you could be sitting on absolute thousands. You do know what a seven-inch single is. Of course I know what a seven-inch single is. You'd be surprised the amount of people oh, that don't God even know sake. what a CD... Vinyl's, you know, vinyl's back, Neil. It's vinyl's back It's back, way. yeah, but I mean, it skipped many generations. Like a lot... Their kids don't know what CDs are, for God's sake. Yeah, I know. Well, so don't uh, know. is that necessarily a bad thing? It's roundy, thing? it's shiny, it goes into a small little slot and it plays me... Ah, uh, well, uh, there's a lot of the kids in consoles, they still would use CDs for playing console games. They just don't realise you can actually put Vinyl's music on it. Vinyl's back, baby. Big time. Come here, uh, give me vinyl any day than sitting in a car and hearing the... You can't play vinyl in a moving car. <laughs> I'd love to try. <laughs> I'd love to find a company that would do it. No, on the subject of um, of tat, um, people might remember this. It's not tat, it's where big toys. Ah, well, yeah, but you know the little plastic toys that comes with stuff and 
crap that you just had to fight you stepping on it some Saturday morning when the lights aren't on properly it's all ahead of you back um, there's um, do you remember well I did, you, like if you were a football the, the big thing when we were young were Pokemon cards and um, oh, yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh I've done, cards yeah, I've the and 1970 World Cup sticker album I was going to say I get, I kept getting those bought from me by my uncle but already filled they're probably not worth a lot because you can buy them online full yeah. no good to me to have I have them all except somebody robbed my Pele <laughs> oh really yeah yeah. I'd say somebody when was, robbed your yeah, Pele it, ha- it used to happen back in the day you might be doing swaps with other fellas or they might be going through your album they might you know Listen, you know, it can happen. Keeping bad company there. Yeah. Well, anything. yeah. I mean, it's it's just the way but kids But did you, are. when you were collecting cards back in the day, because I remember we used to get little packs of bubblegum and it was like... It came with bubblegum, yeah. Yeah, and it was the kind of bubblegum where it was fla- it had flavour for about 3.5 milliseconds where ah, you take oh, one bite and be like, oh, oh, no, it's gone. We used to get the we used to get the World Cup stickers myself and Ralphie Keys and Barry O'Manny the newsman. We used to race all the way from home all the way down to McNamara's shop just down the side of Flower Lodge. No, oh, there's no Christy Ring pit, pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A small little sweet shop there. It was, well, it was actually a food market. Every, I don't know, Friday afternoon we'd be given truppence or something and off we'd go. Um, it was great fun though. I know. The, the, old, the old cards were brilliant. Um, I know in later years they did like iridescent ones and sparkly ones. Yeah, we had to go again. Myself and my son and had to go for the 1990 World Cup. We kind of gave up halfway through. I don't know why. And then 94. I have the 94 album but nothing in it. <laughs> Just added to the lists of projects yeah, that were never do. actually yeah, finished. Yeah, must yeah, complete yeah. at some stage. I think they're still going though. It's still a thing. But uh, but yeah, I just remember. I just remember the sheer like excitement to get in the pack and being like, oh, and you get oh, the bubblegum, and then oh, being like, nah, I can't. I can't yeah. Back to, okay, back to um, back to the adding stuff. One other thing that could be up there could be worth a fortune is old sewing machines that could be up there. Particularly original singer sewing machines. They could get you 500, 800, maybe a grand. You'd never know. But one thing, if you have an unopened iPhone 1, right? An unopened first iPhone, which originally released in 2007, and it's pristine in the box, in the packaging, $50,000 at least. And there's one going up for auction in the US for the original unopened iPhone 1 um, over 50 grand and might go higher The Neil Prenderville Show on Quartz Red FM Two-time gold winner at the Emerald Radio Awards 2022 Another couple of colliery stories that I go through because it's Friday uh, and I'll come back to them a little later on including uh, the dad who's over in uh, I think he, I think he's in Uganda I think did I read it was Uganda yeah he's got 102 children and he says enough is enough he's instructed now his 12 wives to all take take contraceptive measures, all 12 of them. He's 102 kids. He says, enough is enough. He's got 578... <laughs> he's got 578 grandchildren. <laughs> I think they live in their own small town. <laughs> he admits that he doesn't know most of their names. What are you going to do? Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Yeah, you could talk all day about uh, multinationals and their profits. You talk about all of the uh, oil providers and gas providers and profits of 40 billion in a year of war. Uh, Lockheed Martin, I believe they make, what do they make? Weapons and, you know, fighter jets and stuff like that. They had a profit of $66 billion for the year of war last year, 2022. So big profits in war. Um, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be uh, doing what they're doing. There's obviously a need, unfortunately, in the world that we live in for all too long. 66 billion in profit in a year of 
war. And there's war all over the planet, isn't there? It's just not the Ukrainian uh, Russian issue. Listen, I ran out of time yesterday and I had wanted to uh, share a conversation I had uh, with uh, Paul. Uh, the long and the short of it is Paul's mother was doing her weekly shopping as she loves to do and it's a social occasion for her. She doesn't get out all that often and she likes to drive over to Dunn stores in Ballyvalan, in, Black, in Blackpool. Blackpool, I should say. My apologies, in Blackpool. Uh, and she was robbed as she was doing her shopping. She was robbed as the trolley was by her being pushed around the aisles. So I caught up with, uh, well, Paul, didn't get to him yesterday, caught up and he told me the backstory. Okay, so my mother done her, her usual, she does her shopping on Tuesday morning. It's, it's, it's like, as I said, it's an outlet for her, like, you know what yeah. I mean? My mother doesn't really do much else, like, she enjoys the other shopping. So she went off and done her shopping, and, like, I, I suppose one of the reasons I wanted to raise it, right, I said, with yourself was that. I see it myself in the shopping centres now. The amount of women putting their handbags around the drink holders and trolleys. Yeah. Now, and don't get me wrong, that's as every woman's entitlement. But unfortunately, the times we're living in, as people watching this, and so she was going around. She had her trolley filled, and as you know, as you go down the aisles in the shop in, in Duns or any supermarket, you have a left and a right aisle. Yeah. Yeah. So what most people would do if your trolley is over and say the uh, oil A and oil B is alongside it, yeah. you're not going to move it over. No, you walk so over. Walked over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She walked over. Being as I said, my mother's nearly 68 years of age, she walked over and just going to pick out of stuff like, you know, and again, you when you look, you might see something else and she was kind of just, she said she was literally maybe five to six or seven seconds yeah. going through as she picked stuff up and yeah. the trolley was gone. The trolley so she, was gone. The trolley, the whole trolley was gone. So she said to herself, am I after losing the trolley or did I move it? Oh so she went to the next aisle and at this stage, you know, she started to get upset because she didn't know whether she was bothered or not. I know. And she, then she kind of realized that somebody had run off for it. Now, to be fair, there was a, a woman spotted the two guys take the moving the trolley quickly down the aisles of the checkouts so they went behind the checkouts so at the stage my mother was going to security and security had spotted the guys with the trolley you mean they so had they tried to get through the checkouts as if you know the checkouts to pay no no got- they didn't see with guns in Blackpool if you go around the section where they have the flowers and the drinks section in them and I mean minerals you can bypass the checkouts that's what they did. So they went down that way and they then realised that there was somebody following which was this lady. She followed. Uh, to be fair. And they abandoned the trolley. Now whether they had any intention of taking the trolley I don't know but they abandoned the trolley and ran with the bag and headed towards the direction of the Glen. Um, they, out the back way there's the overpass on Blackpool. So they abandoned the the trolley and dropped the bag and took the money and took the, the phone. So, at this stage, you know, my mother was uh, extremely upset and hysterical, no. you know, and she actually blamed herself for being so silly. But as I mean, she, as we're trying to explain, for, it's not you, and unfortunately, that's the world we live in today. There's people out there that are going to chance their arms, and they obviously were looking for somebody 
put a fairly hefty trolley and an elderly person because, as you know, Neil, today, a lot of elderly people still use cash. And my mother does. She doesn't they use do. the bank yeah, account. No matter what you say about it, that's their way. Yeah, And you know what? And they should be entitled to. But then again, you know, exactly. what can happen? Yeah, yeah. So they made their way up. And, and, it, and at this stage, Neil, we don't even care about the two guys. We don't care about them. It's the money based on irrelevance because to be fair to done stores and sometimes they get a lot of criticism for operational reasons but they were superb to my mother and I couldn't thank them enough in terms and I sent an email to the to, to the Dublin last night about them it's good to do they that yeah. they calmed her down they yeah. got her a cup of tea they relaxed her all the staff um, bagged the trolley for her so done told her look if you need whatever else you need to get take but she wouldn't because the kind of person she was she said no she said I'd be just happy to take what's in the trolley you now like at this stage she hadn't finished her shopping you know yeah I know I know but don't so covered it they looked after her then they rang my sister to come down when you say covered it of course, she, she wouldn't have had any money just just as a as a by the way no 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 she wouldn't have, but she was going to have obviously she felt she was going to leave the trolley at this stage you yeah, know yeah but Duns wouldn't have it and they were superb to be fair to them uh, the management and the staff the girls were so nice to work because they're used to my mother my mother goes shopping there twice a week it's nice to be uh, known it is nice to be known but are you telling so me that they gave it to her complimentary yes oh my god that's incredible well done because they're, cause that's, that's right and that's why I emailed the headquarters that's it, because as I said don't do get criticism for whatever reasons in terms of operate sometimes but to be fair that's brilliant I could not I was stunned myself yeah. when my yeah. mother said that it's a beautiful and gesture to do somebody who was very shaken, very upset and, and clearly traumatised. And sadly, all too often, people blame themselves. But that could have happened to any of us. And it, and it, it actually happened to my sister-in-law only a couple of years ago. The same thing. But what what but, happened uh, next then with regards to these... I hear there were young so, thugs, were they? Yes, but we were later really believe there were 15, but what turns out now is the warrant. They were 18, so... Um, to be fair, the guys were very, very good as well. Now, they were delayed up because they were tied up. Sorry, yesterday. So they came up, spoke to my, my mother. And my mother said to the guys, look, to be honest, I'm not interested in the money. Because what she brought with her, she was only it was covering the food and stuff like that. She doesn't bring a big lot of cash. She's not, she'd be afraid even to have cash in the house. That's just the way she is. Um, she is old-fashioned that way. And so she knows what she's going to spend. She has a dunk for a tea and she goes down and that's the way she does it. Yeah. And she kind of makes it, she makes it her business that she has to go a second time because it's her outlet, you know, and she knows the girls behind the tills and she knows the managers and, as I said, they couldn't help be enough for But anyway, as I it's said... It's a lot more than just shopping. Oh. You're painting a great picture of that, that it's the social integration and the chatting and yeah. catching up with people and, and, being, and being known by the staff. It's all part of a day out, you know? And I mean, actually, she, she has a car there. It's a zero five, and if you saw it in Mount Demise, and if all she uses the far up and down to Duns. Did they look... Yeah, it. yeah. Did they look and at the, the CCTV footage then, the Guardian? I'm so sure they did. So they, they did. They looked at the CCTV. They spotted these two guys. So at this stage, then my, my sister got, got involved. She rang the phone, and this guy picked up the phone. The stolen phone. So he was. Sorry. This phone that was stolen. You rang your your mother's yeah, number, yeah. and some geezer answered so, it. Yeah, my sister rang, and this guy answered. No, he gave a name. I won't give his name, moderator, because I don't think it's 
a factual name anyway. Yeah. So he gave his name and he said he found the phone. So my sister said, look, that's great. Look, so look, this was phone was stolen today. And he was on the, on the phone. And when he said, oh, that's terrible. And he, he said, was your mother elderly? And my, uh, my sister goes, well, look, she's nearly 68. But look, uh, the phone is very important to her. Um, and he goes, oh, I'm so sorry about that. He, and my sister said, is there any chance you... He said, well, I'm just talking just talk to my mother at the moment. And uh, But I'm rushing to work. And my sister said, is there any chance you could drop the phone into your mother's house? And my my father would come and collect the phone. My father's familiar with the Glen area. Um, and he kept, and he goes, oh, I can't. I'm rushing to work. And my sister goes, but she's only going to say, you're, you're actually outside your mother's house, you said. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not. But you just but see, he started getting suspicious. Now, we do know he had nothing to do with the, the text because um, the Guardian confirmed that because he... Um, but he did, he did, the guards did ring the phone then about one o'clock and he answered again. He said he was at work. He was a painter. And again, as I said, we're not interested whether he was a, knew the people or didn't know the people. All we're asking him to do is drop the phone somewhere. He has my sister's mobile number because she rang it and texted her to say, look, this is where I left it. Even if it was only dropped it to security that's can done stores. I've done and sorry, the Blackpool Shopping Centre and say, look, I found this phone outside and there's a girl going to collect it and just text my sister and she will collect it. But um, he then, he, the guard spoke to him and he he said, the guard asked him for his name, he gave his name and he gave a surname but he wouldn't give his address. Yeah, he said, yeah. I don't have, I don't need to give the address. So the guard said, that's fine but you have evidence involved in the crime. And he said, they asked him to drop it to a guard station. He said, he's not near one. But they said, could you drop it to Mayfield this evening? And he said, he would do that. So, which he hasn't done. Yeah, I know. Do you no, think he's genuine, time. though? Do you think he's genuine, in no. fairness? No, but see, the two no. guys were arrested. And this, this is where it gets even worse, Neil. Those two guys were arrested uh, coming back to Dunn stores yesterday eve, yesterday afternoon to attempt a second theft. Oh, for God's sake. Man, I don't get it. So man. security spotted them, called the guards, and the guards arrested them. Now, the guards spoke to the family this morning just to say, look, they had to release them, but they have them on other charges for the simple reason that the CCTV in the shopping centre isn't good and they wouldn't stand up in court. And look, even talking to my mother, my mother hasn't said, even said, I have no interest in those two lads. Um facing any punishment she said because for them to call, to do the test there must, there, there must be a reason why they're doing it you know does she really does she really, does she really believe that I mean that's no she probably doesn't but that's just the way she she, she is you know she's she, you know she looks at things like that way so she's very she's religious you know all right, okay. she, well, listen, that's she, her belief. Far, far be it for me yeah. to, to question her belief. That she has, she, she, she even said to the guard, she has no interest in the two lads. See, well, she has, it's an old phone, Neil, and it's no, it has no benefit to no one. And the problem is, is the grandkids, all their memories since they were born are on that phone. Their communions, their, their first birthdays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she's not in, 
bed, she's on the phone and we used to say to her every year for Christmas when we buy a new phone and she wouldn't have it because she's afraid in case she lost the pictures and any videos she had. She just felt that she wasn't risking that. We were explaining to her, look, you, you can transfer them over but she still wouldn't risk it. Okay, so this phone is an old phone. It wouldn't have Find My Phone yeah, on it or anything. It doesn't have any app on it to trace where the phone is, no, to ping it. No, and we even asked the guards, could they track the phone? And they said no, due to, I think it's a GDP, GDR, or whatever they called it. Um, that seems bizarre in the event of a crime. You could think that. Well, anyway, I don't know anything about whether they could have been. We thought the same. And I, we kind of felt, look, and I understand, as I said, no, the guards were very good you know, and dealing with the situation. But I, we kind of got the impression as well that, look, this was ever going to go anywhere, um, just to leave it be. And as I said, we don't, we actually don't care about the two guys. Oh, yeah, the money even with that, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. over with, it's over and done with. Um, we just have to move on. Obviously, my mother is very shaken and very upset. And it has impacted her, you know, in terms of going shopping again, you know. She's going to, she's so nervous about what I know, you know. No, as if she wasn't assaulted by any means. The guys just left, took the shopping and the bag. Yeah. Just, it depends what you mean by it depends what you mean by an assault actually Paul it may not have been a physical one but it certainly was an assault it was an assault on our privacy yeah. and our safety and our possessions and everything like that I mean I, I despair at these these thugs you know they may have been 18 I don't know what age they were but obviously they're doing yeah, it to they've done it to others in the past and yeah. probably will continue to do it you know um, the, 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 the issue oh, with you man- yeah Oh, sorry, I suppose, and the real reason why I was just wanted to talk to you is that it's just to highlight to other women just to be so vigilant with their bags. And and as I said, they have every right to have their bags hanging whatever way they feel like it. But the problem is, it's the people that are, it's an opportunity for opportunists that are out there, you know, and... Have you told that by, did the, did the guardie tell you that, or Duns, that too many people are hanging stuff off the trolley handles? No, but I, I've seen it myself, and um, but the security did say it's rampant. Rampant, yeah, rampant. They can't stay on top. They can't be watching everybody because these characters oh, no, only need look, a split second. I know, yeah. And exactly, I mean, when, when, look, when, we're not blaming anybody for this or any of the two guys that took it, you know. But as I said, we're not even at the stage we were angry yet, but we're not angry anymore. The family, we're just upset, my mother, that that phone means so much to her. So even uh, at look, this stage, we don't know who this third character was, but that he might no. have a pang of conscience and surrender up the phone, knowing now that's that it really is very important that's to him. I'm hoping that yeah. he, he listens to it and just look. Because he just, no, even though we were a bit suspicious of him yesterday, uh, my sister felt that he was kind of genuine, uh, sorry to hear what happened. And my sister feels that until the gas rang him, he was always... Uh, he kept saying he was going to give the phone hand the phone in somewhere so we would collect it well we better give I'll him the, we better give him the benefit of the doubt for now anyway benefit of doubt there for, for now anyway. we're hoping that he's even listening and said look you know this phone is this phone like, I mean this phone teenagers today wouldn't even take no. it's old it's yeah. it's, 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 it's Oh sure I know, but they don't know that these opportunists they see a bag, they see the potential of what yeah. could be in the bag, and they got cash anyway and they're away for slates with the cash. It's very bad. Yeah, uh, I mean, it really is. 
Let's I was see. just hoping that he may be listening. Let's see. You never know. He might have a pang of conscience and think maybe through the eyes of himself it was if it was his own mother it happened to. I'm very sorry. I hope your mum recovers from it, you know, and she gets her independence and confidence back again. Let's see if your man is oh, listening. You know. She will let me she's she's a tough woman, as yeah, it is, know, you know, anyway. Look, she'll um, yeah, and she'll bounce back. Like but I suppose it's just the highlight for women. Just be so careful and what know in the shops now when you're leaving your trolley because it did like my my mother only left that trolley for five she said to five to seven seconds. That's it. And they were gone with the trolley, not alone the bag, the trolley. They may not get oh, them on that crime, but at least they'll get them on others, you're saying, which is some consolation. Well, as to what they do have other they do have other charges pending. So look, that's nothing to do with us, you know. I mean yeah. so look look that be what it'll be. Um, and we'll see what happens in court yeah. Let, let's see if that character's listening let's give him the benefit of the doubt that he just might do the right thing and do it as quickly yeah, as possible he's a painter so we're hoping that he's painting in some house and yeah, yeah. Uh, he's listening to the radio in the house yeah. and just one final question have you, rang, have you rang him since like have you rang him when was the last time you rang him no my sister had the number sorry oh. uh, my sister was trying again earlier on in the afternoon it's turned off I could possibly be dead now at this stage, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Again, right. if it's an old phone, if not, you wouldn't easily have the charger, you know? All right, my man. Well, look, let's see. It's worth a shot. Very sorry to hear what happened to your ma'am, obviously. No, and no, many people will be very, very angry that this is happening in society and just getting worse and worse. Here's hoping for the best that he might be listening and he might even get in touch. You'd never know, all right? All right. Thanks so much for the time, mate. All right, Paul. Take care, pal. Cheers. That was yesterday afternoon chatting with uh, Paul. If you are the person with the phone and you would like to do the right thing, you can pick up the phone and call us. We won't pass on your details to anybody at all. I give you that guarantee. 0818104106. Do the right thing for a person who has very cherished photographs on it. But it makes you think as well that you're safe nowhere, really. It could could be in the shopping aisle of a supermarket. That was a beautiful thing that uh, Dunn Stores Blackpool did. A really beautiful thing. They looked after the woman so well, but gave her her entire shop, the trolley load, free of charge and on the house. Um, you know, um, and I think that was a lovely gesture. So well done for that. But it could also be in the car park. It could be while you're, for instance, just packing stuff into the boot. You might be take, you might take your eye off something. You might just put something down. You might like leave a car door open. You know the way it is, these vulnerable periods, you know, when you're kind of preoccupied. But in the in the aisle of a, a supermarket, I wonder do many people, you know, put their phones into the trolley, you know, that little area where the kids sit into or do they leave their bags up on it or do they leave their wallets up on it? You need to be so careful because these characters apparently went back the next day to do it all over again and the shopping centres are saying they're plagued by them. Text 0868104106 on that one. We've got calls and texts on the way. It's also Free Food Friday. More on that next. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So it'll feed anywhere between 15 and 20 of you. There's some really great food delivered every Friday by Red Patrollers, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri. But you need to text who you are um, or where you and where you are to 086-8104-106. So text or WhatsApp who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106. And we'll start those shout-outs just after 10 this morning. I was recently talking about pothole damage. It's never been so bad. The state of our roads, urban and rural, they're shocking. Um, Texter says, over 4,000 euro worth of damage to my car. The whole front suspension and much more had to be done from a pothole uh, on Patrick's Key. The council refused to pay the bill. I sent a bill with photos and location, but they refused to address it in any way 
as I didn't have a clear location or a good quality picture because it happened at 11pm in November. So it was dark and the streetlights didn't help with the quality, um, which is a pity really that you could, maybe couldn't have gone back and photographed the pothole again, but then I suppose you'd need the car next to the pothole, wouldn't you? Uh, but anyway, it was dark and the streetlights didn't help. I gave up. I gave everything from the exact location to where I was pulled over. I wasn't speeding. 4,200 euro in total. If you remember, it was when they were doing all of the footpaths. So there's an example of somebody who did go through the process of trying to get the money paid back by the council and they refused and they found these little loopholes and which to get out of it. Now, all of the recent attacks that we've had prompted this text saying a lot of these attacks involve the drug scourge. Um, the way things are going, we will need mobile ambulances and ambulances circling areas of our city. Things are so bad. A lot of these attacks can be traced back to huge drug debts. Too much drugs out there and too many drug dealers looking for a cut to pay for their own drug debts. There is also the fact that Dublin criminal gangs are sending out their message with young boys to do the dirty work. Um, and it will only go from bad to work that worse. Text are suggesting that a lot of the attacks have to do with unpaid uh, drug debts. Just listening to the man on the air from Kilkenny with the injury to his back. Yeah, yesterday, man working in construction, damaged his back, out of work, has a mortgage to pay, family to feed, bills to pay, heating to pay for, and can't get a penny in any kind of a welfare payment, even though he's paid taxes all his life. Texter says he's entitled to social welfare protection and the welfare of his children to get payment for his contributions. It should take three days. The intro offices are open. You must just put in a new claim. Same thing happened to me and I kept going in to follow up. If it's delayed three months, like that man says, it's as simple as this. The social welfare officer handling his claim is not doing their job. I'd put in, if I was him, a request to get an appointment with the main officer and go higher up the chain because it's against the welfare of the family unit and the Department of Welfare for Protection of Children. I'm just saying, yeah, I think he should. Well, I think he has been. Uh, you know, he hasn't been sitting on his hands on this, but that's a good suggestion and good advice. Ask to see and get an appointment with the social welfare officer um, who's in charge of all of it. So it would be higher up the food chain, if you like. A lot of people then, I mean, loads and loads of texts regarding my conversation uh, with uh, Billy Keller, MEP. Uh, all too often, the far right is being used again and again. Um, you should also start grilling Hall Martin next. He too will also blame the far right. Uh, somebody suggesting I'm raging with the amount of unvetted, undocumented unknowns coming into the country. I've had to tame down that text, actually, because it makes some broad sweeping statements against all sorts of people coming into Ireland, which can't be proven. In fact, I'll tell you one thing. It's impossible to get a statistic as to the amount of crimes in this country uh, that have been caused by nationality. The CSO don't keep those statistics with regards to what country you're from if you're found guilty of a criminal act in Ireland. But what what I can find is a breakdown of those that are in prison. All right, we have a total capacity of Irish prisons of 4,375. And the stat goes back to May of last year when there was 4,022 prisoners in custody. Um, bizarrely, the split between men and female is just incredible. 3,861 of them were male and 161 were female. I'd love to drill in deep as to why there's such a difference in the figures between female criminality and male criminality. I mean, that in itself is an incredible story all alone. But they did break down the difference between those in prison who are Irish 
and those who are non-Irish. And uh, in the middle of 2022, last year, there were 3,389 in prison recorded as Irish. 3,389 and 593 were recorded as non-Irish. Big, big difference. But some will argue by percentage of the population, perhaps it's not such a big difference. But anyway, 3,300 Irish, 593 non-Irish. Now, that statistic could have swayed and changed because it's six, seven months old now. But that's the most accurate information I can come up to of late. Back after 10, text 0868104106. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Thank you to those of you who got in touch with regards to my conversations involving songs with dodgy lyrics, including Tom Jones' Delilah. Will it be sang tomorrow at the Ireland-Wales game? Well, it's being discouraged, that's for sure. But they say in the mirror this morning that defiant Welsh rugby supporters have vowed to continue singing the fans' favourite Delilah. It's been banned from grounds because um, the mirror call it the woke accusations that it glorifies domestic violence. There is um, a theme through the song where she's cheating on him, he gets angry, he calls round, wipes the smile off her face by producing a knife and killing her. And those are the lyrics behind Delilah by Tom Jones. Is it tolerable? I mentioned other weird lyrics as well recently including I'm on fire be Bruce Springsteen hey little girl is your daddy home but did he go and leave you all alone Andrew says can't come on air but talking about Delilah does that mean so that monster games we can't sing um, stand up and fight because it's orchestrating fighting I know I'm with you I'm on that journey with you of confusion I just always thought that Delilah was a particularly um, you know disturbing song anyway even though it was so melodic. Eileen says, uh, let's all go back to singing the wheels on the bus go round and round, will we? Because every song nowadays seems to be offensive. Give me a break. I think everything is deemed to be offensive to someone these days, and that's half the issue. Are there any worse lyrics than Bruce Springsteen's I'm on fire? It's giving me the ick for years and years. I even texted you about it years ago. It's vile. Another one, what is the logic? You have to stop teaching the Bible because there are more terrible things than that. Compared to the song, Delilah? Okay, okay. Ah, that's a joke. Music is art. It's the same as painting or movie making or anything like that. So you want to ban any piece of art that portrays murder or pain in any way? Does that include all historical paintings? Does that include the crucifixion next? Including all movies like Goodfellas and the TV shows like The Sopranos? Where will we end? Because you feel it's offensive to you. Woke culture is a disgrace. I'm surprised at you for giving this airtime. Well, I'm giving it airtime, Brian, because it gives you an opportunity to give your point of view. Tom Jones' Delilah is bad enough, but Clementine by Bobby Darren is a song about a large girl that drowns and nobody helps her. Is that what that one's about? Didn't know that. So that's just a selection on that one. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. For those that were expecting an update from Daniel this morning with regards to the bone that he found as part of other bones down in Besborough in the early 1990s, I don't have an update apart from the fact that Daniel was due to get a visit from an archaeological scientist to determine the origin of the bone yesterday. 
But sadly, there was a COVID isolation issue with regards to those that were traveling to meet him. Um, so it'll be some time, apparently. Um, it, it could well be the middle of next week before we get anything back with regards to the bones. So I won't say any more about it until then. So unfortunately, that's been pushed back some time. But that's the way it goes. Uh, but listen, um, many people have waited decades and decades for updates and information. So I suppose another few days won't do us any harm. Text 0868104106. Quick call ahead of the outbreak. Paul, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. How are you? Good. Um, there's reams of text here regarding my conversation with Billy Keller, MEP, yesterday. And a lot of it involves um, people using the term far right for everybody who has an issue with uh, integration or immigration into Ireland. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of a, a broad brush that's been swept across. Your thoughts on that? Because I know you put some work into it. Yeah, um, like to label everybody far right who stands up in the local community. <clears throat> this goes back to a failed policy. Um, a failed government policy um, last year and so there's no communication between government uh, departments and local communities and this is creating a space of fear I suppose where people don't know who are coming into their communities Um, and this is what causes this quiet dissent this is why people protest Um, That's why we need special injunctions against protesters like the likes that happened um, in the courts regarding McCroom that's on a case-by-case basis. Like, you know, I'm sure not every um, people have the right under the Irish constitution to protest. I know, but I'm there, um, I think they're saying that's the first time that this had to happen, actually. Yeah, well, they're, they're saying there was violence at the protest. I don't know on what scale. Um, um, so I couldn't comment on that. I okay. just heard it on the news there this morning. Yeah. Um, but as regards, like, we're feeding into the far right here. <clears throat> like, last year, the far right was a small movement. It was a small enough movement during COVID we've seen in that protest and the whole lot. At the moment, it's actually government that are creating a space for far right in this country. It's government failed policy that's created a space for the is far right. Is there no room at all for a far right political movement in this country, incidentally, like, like other European countries have far right political parties? Is that unhealthy or what's the problem? No, it's, it's, it's the type of far right that, that you have. Thank like you. we far right um, government in Sweden, we far right government in Italy. Italy recently, um, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and the way we're going. Um, in five to seven years, we'll have either a coalition made up of far right or we'll have a far right government. And if history teaches us anything, and if you look back at Sweden, Ireland is where Sweden was in 2015. Um, and if we don't get control of this, you know, it, we're going to lose control of the situation. And they are losing control of the situation. I've seen there in the news this morning that um, certain criminal gangs are affiliating themselves to these movements and they're ask, actually there's one... Um, prominent gang members asking all gang members to come together and unite under the anti-immigration movement. And there you're adding um, fuel to the fire. So where, where, is it going, where is all this going in your opinion? Um, well, like you see this morning, Roger Gorman is looking for extra places for, um, he's put a shout out for like um, scout halls and his kind of centres with uh, toilet facilities and showers. They're expecting an influx this year. Um, the doors have been left open. And Ireland, ironically, is only one of two European countries, Ireland and Denmark, that have an opt-in and opt-out when it comes to refugees and resettlement programmes. So last year, Michal Martin had a choice. Now, the moral thing to do was to accept Ukrainian refugees into Ireland. But because he had that choice, I personally believe he should have put a limit on that choice. And the word limit was thrown around a lot last year and was shot down and criticised. Yeah, I remember when he was interviewed on by the BBC. Did they put a limit to the UK, though? Because they seemed to be very surprised when they were interviewing him that he said 
that the Irish people wouldn't be up for a limit, that we were a generous nation and we wanted to help as many as we could? We were. We were a generous nation at the start. And once we exceeded, I suppose, the limit that we could take and the limit that we could financially and, I suppose, structurally um, take in, um, that's when things started to change. The limit was exceeded last year. Um, and it's continuing to grow at the moment because we have a thing at the moment called the Rwanda deal in England. And what you have to remember, a lot of people coming into Ireland in the last six to eight months would normally traffic into the UK. But because of the Rwanda deal that's in place at the moment, and as you talked about earlier on, Rwanda deal, area, basically. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's scaring off people traveling that route. So when people see a lot of people from certain countries like Georgia and Somalia and they're questioning why they're coming to Ireland, they're coming to Ireland because they'd normally go to England. England has shut their doors, in a sense, in a roundabout way, by threatening um, illegal immigrants. People who come with no documentation, documentation and passports and the whole lot, they've been threatened with being sent to Rwanda. So they're, they're looking at the next possible country, mm. next possible country. Simon Harris Ireland. said this morning we need to do something about the undocumented, though. He's quoted in the papers this morning, I refer to it, particularly the international protection orders who are arriving with no paperwork whatsoever. Well, it's a disgrace that anybody should get off a plane and should be allowed to stand in an airport and present themselves as a refugee without any documentation to back up as so who they are, where they came from. The main reason why they dump their passports is they don't want to be known where they come from because a lot of the times they're not from countries that are, I suppose, under persecution, war or conflict. Um, they're just exactly migrants. But why do um, we automatically label them as potential criminals? Why can't we label them as economic migrants who are coming in here? knowing that if they have documents, they won't get in, but they're desperate to get into work and to, um, and to make a living. Because it plays into the far-right narrative. Um, like If you look at the situation of no passports into the country, straight away people are saying it's because they're criminals. It's not because they're criminals. The majority are dumping their passports because they don't want to be found. As to, if you can't identify the person, you can send them back to the country that they came from. You can send them back to the country that the flights they came in on under an EU agreement. But that doesn't seem to be happening at the moment. We have 5,000 people coming into this country undocumented, being placed in communities that nobody knows who they are. But it doesn't and help then when you have, um, you have knives and, and all sorts of uh, weaponry down in the hotel in Killarney. You see, it doesn't help those who say we need to be more welcoming when they kick off. And it would appear to be, um, you know, fights and weaponry involving different nations who were staying. I think, was it, an, was it Algerian and uh, Georgian, I think, or something like that? It was, yeah. yeah. Again, look, that's down to failed government policy, um, not working within those centres, um, creating spaces and, and the whole lot, and realising that you've got different factions and communities coming together, different religious beliefs. Um, and if you put all those people into a centre, two or three hundred at a time, and you give them nothing to do, they're just sitting around all day. A lot of them are heading out drinking or I've seen it myself in the streets, like what you never see before um, is migrants literally sitting on the corner of streets drinking. You kind of never really saw that before. Now you're seeing it because they they're born idle. They have nothing to do. And again, that's down to failed policy. That's down to Roger O'Gorman's department not implementing, not following through with the individual from what I can see. In what way not following through? I mean, no, nobody, like, just because you're bored doesn't mean you should be drinking on street corners or fighting in hotels. No, but while their, while their applications have been waiting to be processed, and because how slow it is in this country, those, could, those people could be in there for years. Um, and leaving people idle for years is not an option. You know, the idea need to identify who they are, and if they have a legitimate case for being here, will then start the process of getting them integrated into the community. And what about those that are arriving without paperwork? My own personal opinion, 
shouldn't be happening, thousand percent. Um, and we know it shouldn't be happening. How would you fix that? How would you fix this? I thought about this yesterday. Like I mean, and the airlines want to shun responsibility. Um, there is a way of doing this, but it kind of comes down to segregation. But they must have paperwork getting on the plane. Exactly. So what I think should happen, and it's not going to happen because the airlines will kick up, is that anybody, any non-EU passport holder entering Ireland from a a Schengen area, so if somebody comes, say, from Somalia, by land, gets into France, gets on a plane from France because they're allowed to, without a visa, fly to Dublin, their passport should be taken off them once they board the plane. That proves that they're legitimately on that plane. And given back to them at the security at an Irish airport, is it? Exactly. Okay. Or, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, that okay. means they have to get off the plane with the passport okay. um, and therefore you can identify them. That would stop a lot of people. What from, if they were threatened with fines um, if they don't get on board the airlines? How are you going to find somebody who has no money and not even an address? No, and, the carriers, your airlines. Well, the, yeah, well, the EU has threatened that already and it doesn't seem to be going. I think they did. Like, they know? were threatened with fines of up to three grand per non-national, weren't they? Yeah. Don't, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Paul, listen, thanks so much. Have a good weekend. Appreciate the thought. Uh, Writing to you with a concern. I'm worried about this carry-on that's going on all over Ireland. I'm a migrant myself. I came to Ireland 16 years ago. I worked my socks off for all those years. I've never asked for a handout, and the only support I got from the government was the pup during the pandemic. My worry now is that everyone who is not Irish will be dragged and labelled as a fake UG, as I see the asylum seekers have been called. I might be in the wrong place at the wrong time and who knows what could happen to me. I'm worried for the safety of my kids as well. I don't know. I might just be paranoid. Uh, Please let me know what your listeners think about this. Love the show. Uh, If you want to respond to that one, text 0868104106. Just a quick one ahead of the break. Susan is here studying law, came from Uganda. Susan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Sorry I didn't get to yesterday. That was my bad. I ran out of time. But uh, you wanted to pick up on our conversations as somebody from overseas who has experience of um, maybe the, the, the model in Africa, certainly in Uganda, is it? Yes, I needed to share with you that. And probably we pick a lift and see how we can harmonize the situation and what's happening right now in the country. Go ahead. Yeah. So I'm from Uganda, as I said, and in Uganda currently we are hosting about uh, 1.3 to about 1.5 million refugees. Million? One and a half million refugees. From what countries? These are from Southern Sudan, Democratic Republic of Congo, Somalia, Rwanda and Burundi. Okay. And what happens, how, how do you process and how do you manage to look after one and a half million so we have developed models that has enabled us uh, to uh, accommodate all this. So uh, we don't operate the, the CAM process. We have settlements where we actually have uh, put these refugees and integrate them with existing communities. So we actually uh, uh, acquire land from the communities and give small settlements to the refugees such that then they're able to set up small structures and be able to grow their own crops that can enable them to be self-sustaining. So you give them land and the ability to build their own homes and farm? Yes. Okay. But should that's never and gone. That model would never work here. It would never work here, Neil. But what happened is that for, this, for the situation of here means that then we can open up the work forces, the work labor force, so that the refugees are able to uh, contribute within uh, the existing labor gaps 
they're able to earn some living and then they're able to actually integrate themselves into the community. So the equivalent model here, like Uganda, would be to allow those that come here to stay, uh, to work, to integrate and make it their home. But how then will the education system cope and how, say, for instance, will the health system cope or the welfare system cope or if there are children, the children's allowance system cope or welfare benefits cope or disability benefits cope? Yes, that is very important and needs to be taken into consideration. And we have actually done that. So we adopted what we call the co-sharing of the benefits that come in for the refugees. For example, right now, we know the government is putting in funding into a basket for the refugees. So it's some external funding that are coming in. And what happened is that where we put refugees, then we give 30% of the cost for catering for for the refugees to the host communities. And this 30% should go into expanding uh, education, the health sector, and the existing need best for the community, such that then they're able to absorb the pressure that the refugees exert. And who pays that money? The state, is it? The country? Yeah, because right now, you know, the state is funding the refugee uh, process in this country, but also the same as in Uganda. So whatever funding that the the state has for the refugees, 30% of that should be able to go to the host communities to support it to expand its local service provision to support the pressure. But it's not, it's not that simple because I knew you were coming on air, so I just did a little bit of research into it. And the EU yes. is the yeah. is the is the organisation that's providing Uganda with the billions that's needed to support the refugees you've just described. From the, as an example, the Democratic Republic yes. of Congo, the European Union has allocated um, over four million euro to Uganda to help and I'm sure that there's other aid coming in from other places. It works out at about 15.2 uh, U- in Ugandan currency. I'm, forgive me, I don't know what your currency is, but it's, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's the Ugandan dollar perhaps. It's a fair chunk of change that the EU is paying perhaps to do what you're saying is being done. But the EU is equally supporting the refugee uh, process right now here in Ireland. And the, the state is putting in some money as well. So there is the state fund and the external funding that Uganda relies on. And it's the same basis that Ireland is doing Getting from well. the European... Yeah, but this is actually the total figure for 2022 for Uganda from the European Union is 34 million euro. Um, but remember, this is 1.5 million refugees as compared to the population that currently Ireland is hosting. So if you look at that money divided by the total population that we are hosting and you look at the money that Ireland is receiving and the population of the refugees that they're hosting, there should be a model that can enable, uh, you know, the country adapt itself and be able to, you know, to some extent respond to the challenge that it has taken on right now. Yeah, but you wouldn't be able to do it in Uganda if it wasn't for 34 million from the European Union last year and $343 million from the United Nations. The funding is based on uh, political will and support by the host communities. The funding has been able to be very fruitful because of the 
the good practices of coexistence between the refugees and the host communities that the country that has adopted. So oh, I, I, that, I know that, but I'm just giving you yeah. the stats. And when you break yeah. down the European Union funding, or sorry, the United Nations funding figure, which I gave you, which is an astonishing mm-hmm. figure, Ireland gave 12 million euro to the UN to give to Uganda. So a lot of it is aid. Yes, a lot of it is aid. And the fact that Ireland is part of that country that is supporting such a very good model of, you know, refugee hosting right now, it's our wish that, you know, it could, they should be able to, you know, to adopt some of these best practices and be able to implement it in the country right now. In Ireland, okay. Yeah, yeah, so... And, and when we look at, you know, refugee hosting, our interest is much of money facilitated the process. We are focused more on, you know, how can we build a peaceful coexistence between the refugees and the host community using the little available resources that are locally, you know, present within many of the communities. Okay, that we okay. Have. No, I mean, it's, it's certainly, yeah. you're describing a model that clearly seems to work if you can cope with, with 1.5 million. And, and are, you, are you doing law in UCC? Is that the case? I finished my postgraduate at UCC. I'm currently at the King's Inn and pursuing my uh, solicitor course. Wow. And what do you intend to do after that? Uh, I intend to, to practice. Will you practice in Europe? Yes, I intend to practice in Europe while, you know, uh, transferring my experience, my knowledge, you know, uh, in Europe, but also supporting my country. Well done, well done. Well, continued success yeah. with your studies and your future career. Thank you for taking the call. Uh, to line four we go. Pat, good morning. Neil, good morning. Neil, the first thing I want to say to you is this, that every single person in this world deserves a break, okay? That's, you know, on a humanitarian aid, we have to help each other, okay? The second thing is I want to pick you up on your conversation with Billy Keller yesterday about the non-documented Irish in America. Those people who were forced to leave this country because of the recession, left with documents, landed in America with documents. So he's wrong when Mm, he says... What kind of documents? Well, passport, Neil. Yeah. When they left Ireland to fly out of Dublin or Lingus or Shannon or it wasn't Cork. It's not, an, it's, not an equ- it's, not a, it's not an equal example. I, I get that. But and I'm not, downing, well, I'm not downing what you're saying because mm-hmm. it, they, there are many, because many good people who... Because of the failure of governments. No, no, no. Good but but they Ireland. went on holiday visas. But they still had documentation with them, Neil. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the next thing I want to say is about Ukraine, right? Population in Ukraine is just over 45 million. From that 45 million, 12 million have been sent to Europe. We've taken in 80,000 at the moment. I, 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 I mean, I don't know those figures, so I'm taking your word for I do, it. I, I check. Yeah, and according to Mr. O'Gorman, there's another 120,000 coming. Okay, they've got no accommodation right now. So what's going to happen there? But I just want to go back to the people who are coming in from Uganda, Somalia, Georgia, right? Those, and Paul mentioned a while ago, right? They're arriving in another EU country. They're coming from that EU country to another EU country. So therefore, the first port of call, documents should be checked. Yeah, and and apparently they are, I don't know, turning up the heat on the UK to tell them to cop on with what they're allowing to happen, whether that will come to anything. The UK are not in the the union. No, I know that, but that's a lot, a lot of the time, that's where they're they're flying from to get here. So it doesn't matter where they're from. Right, so Hall was telling us last night he's going to ask the airlines to check up on it. What airlines? 
Air Europa? Air, no, but what airline? First of all, they're coming from, let's say, Sudan to France. Yeah. There's no direct flights from any of those countries directly to Ireland, okay? No, so, so would have, they, then Michal Martin yeah. would have an issue with the French. Then Michal Martin Absolutely. would have an issue with the UK. Then Michal Martin would have an issue with the yes. Germans. You'd have an issue with the Dutch. You'd have an issue with the Scandinavian, whomever. The Spanish, the Italian, Correct. the Portuguese. That's See, how you common sense, common sense needs to prevail here. This is, this is the problem, right? This government have lost touch with the people. They've stopped listening to the people, okay? And, you know, listening to a show yesterday with Matt Cooper, he was almost in tears when a man came on to represent the elderly people of this country who were let down badly by this government. But that's what we've been and saying. It's, this is showing up the inadequacies and the, um, the, the failed policies, if there ever were one. This is the crisis that's shown them up to be the emperor has no clothes. But the thing about it, Neil, that's fine. But they go off to Davos. They go here. Uh, They're Davos, just looking for their port. You know, yeah, the, I, I, yeah, but I'm just saying, but because to build up their profile, that's what they're doing. Neil. They don't care about the, the human being early. And the man there that was on to you there, five kids, and I know a chap in that same situation. Exactly the same situation. Oh, dis- um, uh, injured in construction, yeah. 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 Abs- this man never missed a day's work in his life. He's 13 weeks looking for money. 13 weeks been over and back with him and I've gone over today and I want the money from today mm. we've yep. been giving him food we've been giving him to survive That's, that is that is not right Neil okay everybody everybody deserves a break you're going life, to interject okay? on his behalf is it I am of course I've done it already Neil everybody I've deserves help the, then but they must have paperwork is it well well, Neil, hold on a second. If I give any, if we give in any more paperwork over there, right? All they'll want is his blood type. Yeah, I know, I know. They make it very difficult. Everything they've asked for, they've given us. They've given him one hundred euros in thirteen weeks. It's cruel. Can you imagine that? Mm. It is absolutely cruel. Mm. And I'll tell you one thing: we're not leaving there today unless he gets paid. Okay, okay. Do stay in touch with me how today goes, will you? And have a lovely bank. I would, of course, need and Thanks, have a lovely bank holiday. Do come back to me on me? Tuesday. Thank you. Cheers. Text 0868104106. People can get here by ferry too from the UK and from France. Ferries are wide open uh, for, well, for a passport check point of view. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's a lot lax on the ferries. I've found that. That's for sure. Um, the government parties can see the writing on the wall and their survival strategy is to export our children. The new votes that won't vote for them. I have three sons and none of them would vote Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael, says Bobby. That's an interesting perspective that maybe government is happy with young people leaving for the likes of Australia because they ain't going to vote for Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael anyway. Modular homes have a 60-year lifespan. Um, interestingly, uh, the another person that was talking about the actual cost of, of mobile homes, a lot of people jumped in on that. With regards to Billy Kelleher, he and the rest of the politicians are hiding behind the right-wing card. So if you complain to your local TD about refugees getting accommodation before her own, that makes you a right-wing racist. Um, ask who's responsible for leaving in undocumented people. Who is the person where the book stops? They shouldn't be allowed to leave the plane without documents. Simple as that. You need a passport to get on a plane, shouldn't, don't you? You should not be able to leave the plane without one, says another person. Politicians are fermenting the hate amongst the people. They obviously tow whatever is the party line. And many then talking about the Irish who themselves um, went abroad. When the Irish went to the US and the UK, they worked very hard. 
never got anything for free. They got no welfare and no free house. Neil, the Irish who went to the US didn't destroy their papers and passports before they landed off the planes. The Irish never got free homes, free money, free anything. They worked and they worked bloody hard. Another one, will you tell the people on the air to stop saying that the Irish immigration was the same centuries ago? This is different. You, I and the whole world knows this, but as usual politicians' heads are buried up their behinds. The fact is the government is getting handy money from the EU People from Ukraine were questioned last week and 60% said they were going to stay. Ireland's a soft touch and is being totally abused, says Mike. We were never in a position to accommodate this amount of people. And one or two more. The Irish went abroad to work and make a life for themselves. They weren't expecting handouts from any governments. Yet again, Ireland is the land of the 100,000 welcomes and our own are homeless and dying on the streets. Can't get into hospital, can't see a doctor. Politicians are in cloud cuckoo land. People are well entitled to protest if they wish. And if it's causing this type of reaction, then all the better. Time and time again, people sat idly and let things happen. But people are fed up this time and they have had enough. Uh, just one or two quick ones that we'll take a, an ad break to. Uh, Joanna's holding on, but Anna, good morning. Uh, can you hear me, Anna? I can. There yeah. you are. Go ahead. Um, Let's use the time wisely. Go ahead. Yeah, so it's, it's about the the original comment that you um, started this whole conversation off, wasn't it? Uh, the, the migrants who came um, about 16 years ago, he worked his socks off in those years and um, he's never had a handout. Now he's worried because of his accent that here his children could be targeted. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Now, I mean, like the thing is, um, Neil, the Irish have always been welcome to immigrants who work for a living and move here without wanting to change our culture. Um, the sorrow of today is that over the past 10 years, the government and EU have implemented acts which do not coincide with our constitution, the Irish constitution, without public notification, letting un- undocumented criminals into our country. When they How do you know that now, they're criminals? Now, I'm, not, I'm not saying that they're all criminals. But some are criminals. Uh, say, for instance, like, um, was it last week or a uh, couple of weeks ago, um, that lovely uh, GAA presenter, he was run down by an immigrant. Yeah, well, listen, we can't go yeah. there now because the there's judge, a court case the pending. The judge pardoned yeah. him because all right. he apologised all right. All right. All right. and let him all right. go. All right. And later... This They're all wrong. You're died. completely and utterly wrong in the I case you've just mentioned. Neil, I've actually turned off the news for the last three days. You're, 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 like, you're yeah. absolutely 100% wrong about Am that I? case. Okay, so yeah. let's so not even talk wrong, about that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, yeah. 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 You're confusing other court cases, clearly. So yeah, let's yeah, leave that one alone. Yeah. It's just... Um, it, I don't feel that the Irish are being treated as well as um, people that are coming in here. I have students. Um, there are... 80,000 students graduating every year from our UCC and colleges. Um, some of those are foreign students, so they're not ex- expecting to settle down here so they go home. Others want to live here, but um, every student that I meet these days, they, they want to move abroad because mm. there is no homes for them to settle down here. Mm. They want to work here. They want to be around their families, but there is no accommodation for them to call a so home So they here. should go. They should go, even for a period well, yeah, of time. I, mean, like I myself went away for 11 years and I came back. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, some of them just, they want to stay here, but they have no choice. But if they want their own accommodation, their own space, they need to move abroad, you know? Mm, mm. So we're losing all our graduates. You can't blame uh, refugees or asylum seekers for that. 
No, I'm blaming the government for uncapping it. And the, the proper reason is that the government, from before they invited all these people in, they did not do a survey. They did not do a survey of the water supply in Ireland. Now, when we have uh, weeks of no rain, we have no water. Yeah, The electricity supply, we're not... We're now dependent on air and wind for electricity. They put the fear into all of us at the beginning of the winter to say that there are going to be um, power cuts and um, uh, blackouts. Yeah. Um, the schools, they didn't do a survey. Do we have enough of spaces in schools? Before people were invited in, we didn't have enough of spaces in our schools to, to start with. We didn't have enough... Of, of SNA teachers for the people that we need. We weren't prepared, um, is what you're saying. We weren't okay. prepared okay. for okay. our own. Don't mind taking in, I don't know, is it one or 200,000 people altogether now. Um, and and they're all in hotels, like, and where are they going to go? Okay, let me get some more calls you know, in the, the air. The Thank you. Yeah. For the children that are coming in, um, is there spaces for them <clears throat> and the food supply? Yeah, I, I understand all of that. I understand all of that. I, I, yeah. can't, I can't argue with any of that. I mean, so I, I've, like, no, I've no problem with anybody, yeah? The only problem is that the government did not do a survey, and we don't have space in Ireland. And, like, the, the immigrants then that have been living here all over the years that they settled in, I, I fear for them as well, because, you know... Um, and I have loads of immigrant friends. I, um, I, I, I like all, all races. But this is just about being unable to cope. Okay, with violence. Yeah. Thanks, Anna. Cheers. Joanne, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for you? holding. Yeah, you wanted to pick up... Um, oh, yeah, there was a comment that Mick Nugent made regarding yeah. uh, John, yeah. who was living his life in an abattoir, a closed-up abattoir. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I would just like to say the utter hypocrisy of Sinn Féin is mind-blowing. He stated on air yesterday, McNugent, that they were trying to find council accommodation for that man and said, well, he has to go through, you know, the normal process of vetting and like we all do, except for these people that are coming in there. If somebody, no for them, but yeah, that he man. said that there would be, you know, if somebody gets a council property, is there a guard to check on that person before they're given a council property? Yeah, as far as I know. Okay. If you if you apply for a job tomorrow morning, the HSP, yeah. as a cleaner, you have to be vetted. Okay. So why would you take exception to him saying that John would have to go through guard vetting if that's normal for everybody before they get a council property or a job in the HSC? What's the problem? The, my problem is, have Sinn Féin come out once and said, what's going on here is wrong? That we have people coming in here with no documents. That's hypocrisy of the highest order. And then you put Billy Keller on and not giving out you for that. But he was put on to pull on our heartstrings and make us all feel No, do you know the one, the main reason that initially I wanted to talk to Billy Keller because he came, he was just back from Ukraine and painted a very different Ukraine, Ukraine now to 12 months ago, where certainly in Kiev and other parts of, not in eastern Ukraine, but certainly in other parts of Ukraine, life is going on. I'm not going to say normal, but they were trying to do the best they can. A lot of them have to use generators. But, you know, life is going on, work is going on, yeah, retail more is more open, Billy schools Keller's are open. Now to go and walk around the streets of Cork with the people that put him where he is today, the whole lot of them. I, like Tommy Gould, he, I went to a meeting about homeless coming up last year because my son was almost homeless. Could be again tomorrow, by the way, with his family. And Tommy Gould 
said to me, there'd be no Ukrainian house before the Irish. And when, when all this talk about modular homes being built from, I texted him, he blocked me on every forum. They're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. But wait a while, what, did, did you do something or say something or were you out of line to be blocked? I was not out of line. I have all of my screenshots on my phone. All I texted him on social media was, Tommy, you told me there'd be no Ukrainian house before the Irish. Now, this was a time when I was on the radio with you telling you that my son and his partner and child had nowhere to go. Both working full time at oh, no house. Sure. Do you remember? I do. Now, the situation You're one is still of many the same. who are working hard. Yeah. 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 Now, the situation is still the same. Their landlord could give him another year. He travelled the world. He could come back tomorrow morning and they're still in the same position. So when you questioned him on that, he blocked you. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, oh, he blocked me. He blocked me. Um, All his attitude was, oh, give me an address to prove it. And sure, it's out there now. They're building modular homes for him. Where's the modular homes for our own people? Where's the concern for our own? Like, I told my son, I said, you're an idiot out working. You and her, idiot, out working full time. And this government don't give two shits about you. Tomorrow morning, when you're on the streets now with two kids, but we don't. Had a baby you did, now. but you did the right thing as a mother. Like you gave him the right grounding and gave him the right advice I when did. he was young. You see, and, and he won't give up his job. Yeah, he's and too stubborn. He's like, are we, are we now? Are we now? We'll only make matters worse if we have parents rearing children and tell them, "Don't work. Don't work hard in school. You know, don't. I mean, don't even start me on college. I think college is a complete waste of time. Total. Like, time. I mean, you should. People should go to college later in life. This business of coming out of secondary school and going to college is just stupid yeah. because they don't know well, what they want to do. I'm breaking news now this, this morning. It said the government have issued an appeal for large buildings, empty buildings, to house asylum seekers and they're going to put mattresses and sleeping bags on the floor. Mm. Now, what kind of idiots are elected? Who elected these people? This Joe O'Brien, he's the Minister for Integration. He's a Green TD. He previously worked for the Immigrant Council of Ireland. Just total vested interest. Like all these protests, I agree with them, but we need somebody to head them up like we had with the water charges to bring everyone together and say, you know what, enough. They knew we didn't have housing for our own. They knew that and they brought, they're bringing all these people in, migrants, asylum seekers, whatever you want to call them. They're bringing them all in, right? And they don't give two shits about our own. Okay. And we are paying for this with our taxes. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Joanne. And if Roderick O'Garman went out in the air, we'll come to Ireland and you'll have your own house in four months. And he's still in these Was jobs. that actually said, though? People keep on Absolutely rack- was said. I was sitting on, on the chair watching the news when he came out and said it. Or did he say he something like that? Or did he, like, was that, were they the words he actually used? He said, actually, you'll have a... Uh, your own turnkey accommodation. He tweeted it out in multiple languages. It's all out there. Get your researcher to look it up. And that idiot... And who is he putting the call out to? Was it to... All different nationalities. What happened was Britain said, right, we're going to crack down because the people are demanding it. And all these immigrants said, right, we have to go to Ireland instead because the Brits are not going to tolerate it for much longer. They're talking about coming out of the... European Convention of Human Rights, right? That's what the people are demanding there because they've no, and we've no legal obligation. Actually, one of the main reasons that uh, the UK brexited out of the EU was because of uh, migration issues. Yeah, and it's here in black and white, Neil, in front of me. Ireland voluntarily 
opted into the EU relocation and resettlement scheme. Okay. We have no legal obligation okay. to these people. Okay, I'd love to see that text or that um, that tweet. I really would. I'd love to oh, see actually, the actual it's all out. You can just get okay, no, we'll, we'll, we'll track it down. Okay, let's see if we can find that tweet back in the day. Thank Thanks you. for that, Joanne. Cheers. Text 0868104106. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Blackpool and, and Douglas. So, Laura National School are listening down abandoned. Good morning to you all. Bridgewater Homes in Kerry Pike. House of Heron can sail. Blockwall development in Ballinglana, Ross Oil and Fernandes, RPC Haulage and Granada, GRP Roofing Supplies, Absolute Property Group would love Friday lunch, moved into new offices in Bishopstown. Uh, everybody at Rockwell Engineering and Insulation in Clohean, morning to all of the staff there, to Tusla at the North Point Business Park, Laura, who's working at home for Cladera, Cork Metal in Dublin Hill, Foley's Plumbing and Electrical in Toker. It's a birthday going on in the team today, ECI JCB, um, um, Piri Piri Chicken is a real treat and would be Sweet. That's an attempt at poetry. Heart and Vascular Department of the Matter, Sales Support and Quest Software International and Man, Pat McDonald Paints, Cope Foundation, Twilight News, all of the different shops, BlackRock Medical Centre, Pampered Paws in Middleton, Unique Fit Out in Glanmire, JNS Automotive in Little Island, Sports Direct in Middleton. It's my mum, Olivia Kelleher's last day working there after 11 years. Future of Frames in Bandon, South Infirmary, Patients, Admissions and Accounts. Country Farm Supplies, everybody at Scruffy to Fluffy Dog Grooming, Little Island Dental Surgery, Kirby Car Dismantling in Ballinacurra, and a half a dozen more. Aer Lingus Loading Section at Cork Airport, Barry Joyce Coal and Fairhill, Pat McDonald's Paints in the Commons Road, Castleview Brothers of Charity, St. Killian's Special School in Mayfield, Union Hall Smoked Fish, Honey Brown's Hair, St. Francis Unit for Moy Welfare Home are listening in AOC commercials. We'll do another bunch of shout-outs in half an hour's time. So text who you are and where you are to 86 Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Red FM. Earlier this morning I started with the story of the woman, the mother whose handbag was taken while she was shopping in Duns and Blackpool. My mam had her bag taken as well in Duns Blackpool. She was packing her trolley at the back entrance and a woman in her late 20s asked her if she needed help and while doing so took her bag older people need to be extra careful says Deirdre wouldn't you be absolutely livid I mean I'm even livid reading out the text never mind how the family must feel can I help you and actually robbing you same thing happened to me in Dunn's Ballyvalan I did leave my bag unattended and I didn't realise it until I went to pay that she'd taken my purse out of my handbag and used my credit card before I even realised it was missing I got no help even though they did have her on CCTV and also at the petrol station where she took money out and also when she tried to use my gift vouchers in my wallet did anything ever happen with that because clearly there was lots of CCTV was there a guard investigation was she tracked down was she caught Uh, was she in court if so what happened there Uh, come back to me if you don't mind my dear late mother had her wallet lifted on two separate occasions from her handbag while shopping for groceries twice it happened the upset and the psychological damage it causes to elderly people is desperate old people are vulnerable enough as it is these guys should get massive fines or five years in prison it's absolutely criminal you know unfortunately when these characters are caught they probably would get a fine or get probation or community service whatever the case may be or if they do go away they're probably going away because they have hundreds of other cases pending as well so there's just some texts on people who have been robbed while shopping text 0868104106 don't forget more opportunities to win our fifth and final place in the final of a trip for two to Paris courtesy of ourselves Cork Airport and Vwelling.com so we're looking for your spontaneous stories something you just decided to do dropped everything 
in the moment and just did it. Text 0868104106. Back after 11. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show We're Coming back to an awful lot of texts and calls on, on Tuesday and a lot of them are quite emotive with the state of play in this country as we find ourselves now it may not be this morning but I will do my best I've been drilling into them and I will continue to do so Can I remind you it's a free food Friday with Roosters Perry Perry Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park so text who you are and where you are to 0868104106 It'll feed 15 to 20 of you lads chicken wings chicken skewers beef skewers the chicken wraps, chicken pittas and the beef burgers. It's all very tasty with the peri salted fries, rice and waffle fries. Throw it in the peri mayo and the garlic mayo and you build your own cheesecake for dessert. Courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Perry Perry, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So text who you are and where you are to 0868 104-106. And then, uh, with regards to our uh, fifth and final giveaway for our City of Love in Paris, I'll come back to that. It's a weekend break for two, courtesy of ourselves in Cork Airport and Vwelling.com. But we're talking about different places and going to different places. I want to go down uh, to Crosshaven. More sad news during the week, and we heard of more and more businesses closing on Leaside. Particularly sad for the people of Crosshaven, because Fitzy's Bars, Fitzy's Bar is uh, about to, or maybe has already closed. John Paul Dennehy is the man behind that. John Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Sorry to hear the news, pal. Have you closed, or are you just letting people know yes. that it's, you have? No, no, we closed. We closed um, on Monday. Uh, it was our last day. Um, just again, um, I, I, I think that a whole lot of people down below in Crosshaven know it, but I mean, we opened two weeks before COVID hit. Oh, the and, timing uh, was we tough were, on you. A fortnight was, before I mean, the yeah. lockdown, was it? Yeah, For, fortnight before the lockdown. And again, like everybody and uh, thought, okay, we'll close down for maybe a week or two and sure we'll get back to normality and we'll all be open again. And it was going to be just this temporary little blip. Um, but no, <laughs> you know, months passed by and I suppose it was nearly 18 months of, of, of stop and start. Um, and then we finally got to be able to reopen. Yeah, and in um, fairness to you, you, you acknowledge the fact that there were some state intervention and pop payments and what have you, but, you know, it, it's about getting open and trying again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. well, again, the, the weekly allowances that, that pubs out there could get, we weren't we weren't eligible for because we didn't have a year of trading to oh, be able to prove man. what the takings were. So, again, the incentives that were brought out by the county council to help with rates and stuff, yes, we got those and those they were ones, fantastic. Yeah, 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 but yeah. again, from the moment we reopened, you're, 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 we were always playing catch up. Why didn't it ba- did I, it not just bounce back, no? No, no, because again, there was a lot of people, especially people, let's say, uh, in their 70s and stuff, there was a lot of people still very cautious about coming back out even when places did reopen. Yeah, you know? know. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's only to be expected, you know, because again, we saw it and still to this day, COVID, when it was around and still is, it was more, it was the, the, the elderly were the more vulnerable, so yeah, I think people I were, were far more cautious, yeah. which is How, understandable. What kind of a pub did you have there? Did it do food, or was it primarily no, drinks? No, it was just drink. It was just drink, um, and again, like, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, I suppose you've got really six pubs within the village, one of them which is more food-orientated mm. than drink, mm. but... Um, I think that for, for, uh, chatting with the, the other publicans down there and stuff, just the cost of, of, of electricity and stuff, I mean, it's went up, but we're not far off, 300% it's went up over the past while. Yeah, couldn't do it. Couldn't, the maths weren't Can't working out. Yeah, yeah. Footfall down, electricity and gas up. Um, yeah. You know. 
Yeah, but and it's going to be the very same for, I mean, you look at the beer, the, beer, the, the line chilling and stuff inside in a bar. That stuff has to be going 24 hours a day. It's much the same as your supermarket with the refrigeration. It has to go in 24 hours a day and it adds up. Maybe the days of many pubs or even a half a dozen pubs in small villages are numbered. That, you know, people's, people have changed their recreational space, if they you like, have. you know. They have. I think, I think lockdown taught an awful lot of people that, that you know, drinking at home um, was, a, was, a, was a, an option, which again has other downfalls because there's no regulation within the home or whatever. And again, like the, the, the brewery is putting up their prices, um, Heineken, before the end of the year and Guinness as of the 1st of February. And I think so many hurdles. can't yeah. understand why. And I'd say a lot of pubs, then even a lot of those in bigger places than Crosshaven and, you know, even your Middletons and your Mallows, even in the yeah. city, they're probably, they're probably surviving on one weekend trade. Yes, and that's what, that's what I think most of the, the, the pub trade has now went uh, I mean, there's there's a whole load of pubs around the place which don't open on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They're may, they, they they focus on the Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. and that's just the way that things have 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 happened. So, do you believe that more will close ultimately? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, again, being in the in the trade, like you hear rumours of, of of other pubs which are which are on the verge of it. But again, oh. until you see and hear of the doors closing you kind of take it with a pinch of salt. And that, that establishment, the lads were telling me that the reason it's called Fitzy's because of a fellow called John Fitzgibbon who John opened Fitzgibbon. it. In, what's the history of the pub? Well, it, it would have went back um, nearly to, to, to the time of the British been over here, about the, 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 the late 1800s. And it was a hotel at one stage which uh, John Fitzgibbon had. And he actually, I believe, if, if I'm correct, he was a Lord Mayor within Cork. And because he had his own business down below in Crossaven, um, the wage that he was getting, or the fee that he was getting to be a Lord Mayor, he actually gave to charity. Well done. I think he owned half, half Crosshaven at the I time. That, well, yeah. And, and again, at one point, uh, when we were doing the painting of the outside of the premises, we uncovered um, that it, at one point it was called uh, the Winston Churchill Hotel. The Winston Churchill Hotel? Winston Churchill. <laughs> yes, it was at one point. Oh and I think God. there's a picture of it up on the Facebook page, which I, uh, I took. That must make you, you very know. sad, though, closing. The, what are you going to do yourself, though? Um, well, I, again, I, you probably know my mother. My mother is Denny Heaton the Cole K. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and stopping my father then in down, down in Ballon Temple. Can't, yeah. But, um, I, I, I know, never knew the connection until you mentioned it. I'm just going to be totally <laughs> honest with you. I didn't know that. <laughs> no problem, Neil. Um, but again, I think I think I'm going to just I'm going to try and go off now and try and find something a little bit more uh, Monday to Friday. So your and, your entrepreneurial uh, days are over, are they? For now. For now, anyway. For now, I think I think the pub trade will I hope bounce back in time, but I I, I don't see it for the next while. Ah, I think, as, as you said, we're going to see a lot more um, well-known pubs and and stuff all around the country. Having to having to close their doors. Ah, yeah, it's a sad time. It really and truly is a very is. sad time. No idea. Will will somebody pick it up and try and will they adapt it to well, another building or business or well, what? Well, the, the 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 owners there would would like to see somebody come in, of course, but they would like to see somebody come in with more uh, with, with with a food side to it as well. Yeah, yeah. So adapting a part of the premises to get a proper kitchen in there. And to do whatever, and that there is still that beer aspect as well. But there's going to be more issues there with food costs and energy costs related to food production. So you can't there win. would. And, and again, I, 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 I don't know who out there would be willing to take that on at this 
point in time, but that's what that's what the owners would like to see happen at some stage down the road. All right, okay, okay. But for you, we wish you well on the Thank next chapter, so whatever you decide to do. It's sad, and it's also even sad when you say there will be more. It's inevitable that there will be more. All right. John Paul, thanks for taking the call. Good luck to you. No problem. Thanks so much. Take care. John Paul Dennehy. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text in WhatsApp 0868104106. Gork's Red FM. Chelsea, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well, but more to the point. What a dream come true. How are you? I'm very good. Amazing. Are you still on cloud nine after performing with Beyonce? Even saying it sounds amazing. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. I still find it hard to believe, if I'm honest. I know. I know. We'll get, yeah, we'll, we'll, get to that in, we'll get to that in the second. Let's to, to what led up to it. Let's just rewind a bit. My understanding is you're a Balancholic girl, did secondary school in Balancholic, were, was very much into performance and did uh, performing arts college in the UK, I think, was it? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Did all of that. Then did you, did you, what, move to London or did the pandemic come along? But what happened? Yeah, so I graduated college in 2018 and then I actually moved home straight after and I did a personal training course actually while I worked in Bysides in Ballon College. Yeah. And then I decided to move to London in October 2019. I was there for like five, six months and then the pandemic happened so I moved back home. But before so that, I mean, I were you no dancing? Choice, really. Were you dancing, modelling, doing things like that in London? No, I was just training. So yeah. I was just going to class, taking class, trying to get my face out there, auditioning for agencies and things like that. So I, I had like just a normal job. It's a hard slog, isn't it, trying that. to break into it? It's a hard slog. You've got to be very determined, I'd say, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Then the pandemic came along and kind of probably took the wind out of your sails for a while. You came back home. Was that the case? Yeah, so I just came home. I had no other choice, really. I know. And yeah, I was just dancing in my living room, taking online classes, just trying to pass the time as productively as possible. Yeah, and improve your skills, obviously. And you do that with practice. Yeah. When did the the offer came along then, the invite? I mean, were, were you making videos all of the time? Were you sending off uh, showreels and stuff like that, videos? So basically, there's an agency out here in Dubai called Dan Bolton. And I've worked with them previously on different projects. I did like um, a project with them in August time, actually, for the FIFA World Cup. Right. Before the opening of it. So I actually got a message from them, like, I don't know, the first week in January, inviting me to a private audition. And at this stage, I didn't know what it was. I just knew that it was very private. It was invite only. And it just kind of gave us the date of the event, which turned out to be the 21st of January. A couple of days before the audition, we were sent a video from the LA team. So this is when we like kind of knew what it was for. So we were sent a video from the LA team that we had to learn for the audition. Yeah. And it was just a piece to Naughty Girl by Beyonce. It was just a couple of eight that we had to learn off. So at that, was, that, was that the stage that you realised that you were actually going to be dancing and performing with Beyonce when you got the video to practice? Yeah, when we got the video, that was kind of like, yeah, that's when we knew that it was, it was for that. How did you feel when you got that news or that uh, penny dropped? I was a little bit nervous, but at the same time, it's like it was my style of dance like that I really enjoy and that I'm like really confident in. So I just wanted to 
enjoy it. I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself and I just wanted to just enjoy the process and be grateful to even be given the opportunity to audition. But then you had to wait for a period of time, I suppose, to find out whether you got the gig. Is that right? Yeah, so I actually only had to wait for two days. So I got the email on the 11th, which was the Wednesday to say I got confirmed. (laughs) I hear tell you rang home, did you, with the news, bawling, crying? (laughs) Yeah, I rang my mom straight away. I, I video called her and we both just, started crying it was it was lovely we were like all that hard work has paid off oh my god it certainly <laughs> all that did. traveling yeah yeah you landed on your feet but you still had to do the gig and do it right talk about the actual event yeah. itself because this was a serious event for i don't know how many people well over 1500 people who paid big money um in a in a, a 1.4 billion euro atlantis royal hotel is that right yeah, that's correct. So it was really, really a massive event, yeah. It was amazing, like the whole process, like from, from the get-go, it was just, how would I explain it? It was just like everything I expected and more, you know what I mean? Like being able to be in a room with so many talented dancers. She brought like dancers from LA, working with like the choreographer Fatima Robinson and Tia Riviera, like who have worked with massive artists oh, I heard as that, well as yeah. Beyonce. I heard that. Destiny's Child, Jan- Janet Jackson, Christina Aguilera, for yeah. God's sake, even Justin Bieber. I mean, it was top of the tree stuff. Yeah. I mean, and in the audience then, of course, you had some very important heads, didn't you? I think Kendall Jenner was there and the rapper Jay-Z, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone and anyone you could think of yeah, was um, involved, so... It was just pretty amazing. Now, what about the actual dance sequence? What did that involve? So I was in five numbers in total. I was in Brown Skin Girl, I Care, Crazy in Love, Beautiful Liar and Drunk in Love. Did you love it? Did you enjoy it? Or were you very nervous? No, I absolutely enjoyed every second of it. Amazing. It's so funny. Like, I thought I would be super nervous because obviously, like, you're performing with, like, a massive artist. But... It's it's weird, like when you're a performer, when you go on stage, you don't, it's like you just forget about everything, you know what I mean? Because you're performing and you're like in the moment. So every second of me being on that stage was just incredible. And when I came off stage, I just started bawling, crying. I was like, oh my God, like I did it. <laughs> I know, because I, mean, I mean, forget about the likes of me, but what would be on my mind and many people listening was, I'll make a mistake, I'll make a mistake, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a mistake, you know? <laughs> and then you'd make a mistake yeah <laughs> and it's live and there's no take two you you I mean okay you were dancing you were interacting you were doing the stuff you do best but you also kind of worked with her there was headpieces that need to be changed uh, part of the move involved a microphone and things so it was quite complex wasn't it yeah so um, I had to like bring on her mic stand and stuff and things like that but it was actually quite nice because things like that for a singer are actually really important like as a dancer not really like you know we just bring your prop on and off but it, it was quite nice that they had that trust in me you know what I mean that they trusted me to take her headpiece off without like pulling her hair or know, you know yeah, what I, I mean know, so yeah, I know, I know. Um, yeah, yeah yeah knocking her over yeah, bumping so it her. Was good. Yeah. but anyway listen tell me what is she like because I hear tell you did get an opportunity you and the dancers to chat with her at least for a little while is that right yeah that's correct honestly she's just amazing like She's super humble. She's super 
thankful. She's so appreciative of everyone, like the dancers, singers, the band, the backstage crew. Yeah, like we had a little moment like the day before the show, like at the end of the rehearsal and she just like spoke a few words. She was just like, we're so blessed to be doing what we love, like yeah, for yeah, work, yeah. you know, we're so, we're so blessed. So it was really, really nice. And she's just so humble. I mean, it must have been an amazing thing, you know, to get such a big break so early in your career. Would you agree? I mean, this is kind of great for the the bio, if you like. It's really going to set you up for future work, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always been one of my dreams, like from a very young age, to perform with someone like Beyonce. Because let's be honest, she's probably the biggest female artist. Oh, she's incredible. The biggest artist out there. So, yeah, it's just amazing. And it just goes to show that, like, dreams do come true yes. when you work hard and yeah, yeah. you're persistent. Yeah. And, yeah. And would that be your message to your generation then? We hear the cliches, follow your dreams, they can come true, but work hard and they will, is it? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you can dream big enough, like, anything is possible. And once you work hard, because sometimes the worst ethic can go, can take you further than talent. You know what I mean? Like, if you're a hard worker if you're persistent if you're you know a reliable person in any industry so yeah like for anyone that has like big massive dreams is to just believe in yourself work hard and just stay true to who you are as well because at the end of the day you have to be a good human being before you're like well, I'm a dan- like before I'm a dancer I'm a human being so I always I always go by that well said that's a really good outlook on life did you get that from your parents that's a great outlook on life yeah, I, I've had a, an amazing upbringing and yeah, my mum's done an amazing job of like keeping us humble no matter what. Well, so, fair play to yeah. her and fair play to you. I, was, I mean, I don't know whether you're motivated by money, but I was working out for the hour's work that Beyonce did. She got $24 million <laughs> dollars for the hour. That worked out at $400,000 per minute or $7,000 a second. Isn't it insane? It is crazy. It is. Yeah. It is. It wasn't without. It wasn't. I think what people forget is that, like, it's the amount of work that actually goes into that. Like, some people just see, oh, it's just an hour show, but for like people like her and like her dancers and her choreographers, they've been working on it like for months and months. You know. (laughs) Yeah, but I know. Um, I know. But come on, (laughs) twenty-four million bucks. I mean, how much work is involved for twenty-four million bucks? (laughs) It's insane. There's news in Ireland now that the world tour which is just announced, you know, the European leg of the Renaissance World Tour, there's no Irish leg and fans are upset about that as well. Would have been great if there was an Irish leg, wouldn't it? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I did see that actually because I was looking at it earlier. Yeah, I I found that a bit strange. But anyway, what's next for you now? Um, I'm just going to continue what I'm doing, like just taking class, training. I'm planning on going to LA for six weeks in the summer just to go and take class, network, try to get myself out there. And yeah, just kind of go from there. Is that the place to be, Los Angeles? Because I'd imagine that would be expensive for you, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, for the type of work that I want to do, like music videos and like world tours and things like that, LA is probably like the place to be. So that's why I'm just going to go in the summertime to see if I even like it, just to kind of like suss it out. I have um, some family there as well, so I'm going to go see them that's brilliant. while I'm there. Uh, brilliant. You're living, you're living the dream, but you're working hard. We'll be keeping a close eye on you, Chelsea. It's an exciting time in your life. Good luck with it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Welcome. We're all very, very proud of you on Lee side. All the best. Take care.
Thanks so much, Neil. Take care. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. With some more free food Friday shoutouts, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Perry, Perry, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. For somebody, it's going to be a great way to kickstart the bank holiday weekend. So good morning to everybody at PFH in Little Island, Northside Tires in the Mallow Road, PRL Group, they do HB Ice Cream in Carrick Tool, Boxed Self Storage at the Monaghan Road Business Park, Smurf at Kappa, Brother and the families are all out in the cold working long hours and they could do with a bit of food, says Patrick. Keita Products, we're listening. Uh, Donsworth Office Supplies in Forge Hill. Uh, the, sc- the crew and the skipper of the Cape Paula fishing boat, fishing out of y'all this morning. Everybody at Premet Fabrication on the Pollard Off Road, listen regularly. Store fit shop fitters, Joe Edge Hair Salon in Blarney, Bebe Hair Salon at Hawks Road in Bishopstown, Bonsegur's Care Village on the Lee Road. Good morning to Quinlan's Motor Factories in Dennehy's Cross in Blackpool, Drina Co op in, um, in West. Cork, Janice at Bespoke Wedding Ceremonies, everybody at JK Painting and Decorating in Carrick Tool. It's winter, it's cold and it's dreary, but I have an interesting theory. Our mood would be lifted if we were to be gifted a bag of Rooster's Piri Piri. It almost gets there. It's probably 99% perfect. Uh, well done for that from St. Stephen's Hospital, the catering department in Glanmire. Pollard of Dismantlers, 10 Hungry Lads, Joe Oils, Joe Crowley Oils, I should say, in Inishannon, Barry's Tea in Kinsale Road, Sycamore Ward at the Farron Lee Community Nursing Unit, Drina National School, Cork, uh, Cope Transport, uh, at uh, Montanati, the Cope Transport section of Cope in Montanati, TIS Firestoppers Limited, uh, Tidy Mechanical Repairs in Ballycoreen, the Portring staff at the CUMH, Operations and Transport Team at uh, National Seaways, Area Carpet and Flooring, Bossard, Ireland, Scott Burns in Carrick Navarre, and a few more shout outs for everybody at Dalton's in Mitchellstown, Green Valley Transport, O'Driscoll's Motors in Inniscara, Onakura Pharmacy in Middleton, Agency and Operations Department at the Port of Cork. And Tesco Home Shopping Delivery Drivers listen all the time, as do the lads at Kevin O'Leary's on the South Douglas Road and the fourth floor of the Matter Private Hospital. If I get a chance to do some more shout-outs between now and midday, well and good. But we'll pick a free food Friday winner just before <coughs> midday today. But back to our spontaneous calls, and these are the last of them for the week for a trip to New York for two, courtesy of ourselves, Vwelling.com and Cork Airport. So Brida is on line two. Brida, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Hi. So we might, call, we might call it a spontaneous act, but and again, you call it total impulse. So what did you decide? Well, we decided uh, one year into marriage, building a house as well. Now, this is back, I remind you, in 2003, just to uh, pack up everything and go to Australia. <laughs> but you're building a house. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> well, so you just leave it unfinished? Anyway, go on. What? Well, we kind of did. It was family who were helping us out with building or whatever, so it was nearly complete. So um, and my husband, who had lived abroad maybe for some of his um, 20s, was kind of at itchy feet, and I'd be the total opposite. I was total homebird. Home so did you take or, convincing to just drop everything? Um, well, do you know what now? We kind of we had been working for years since college, and uh, I was, we were kind of thinking, well, now we have a house and the next step, and we kind of said, do you know what? it's either now or never so literally so nobody um, just decided um, I just went about just getting um, just our normal holiday visa or whatever and um, you told the family you were going for a fortnight yeah so (laughs) at the age of 30 you quit your jobs yes we did we did but I had the same job for quite a few years and I kind of said you know what if I don't if I don't do something now I just kind of said there must be more or we needed you know because I, I think when you start building houses well you're kind of putting down roots and I said 
you know, we have to. And he did, I suppose, with my husband convinced me, he kind of said, look, will we just try it or whatever? All right, okay, so okay. Yeah. And I couldn't tell my family it was longer for longer because we'd be quite close. So I literally, they were kind of wondering in the airport why I was crying so much. Frida, <laughs> <laughs> why, why you were taking so much luggage? And they were saying, did you not, do you not want to go or whatever, you know? So uh, we were over there. Then now we kind of had a few contacts over there as in people, obviously, that we could maybe just stay with for a day or two or whatever. So which got settled and then we kind of hired a camper van and then we kind of said we better let them know that we're staying for a bit longer. <laughs> How did that go down? Uh, it was while well, we were gone then. They couldn't get us back. So no, it was I, it was probably me. I was Because it was during Christmas as well and I was kind of going, oh my God, I'm, I'm not going to be there for Christmas or whatever. But you know what? I just kind of took it on board and said, look, this is a trip of a lifetime. You won't be here, you won't be here again, probably. Yeah, and so I you did the whole <laughs> of the east coast of Australia and then did and New Zealand. We did a bit of New Zealand. We did a bit of New Zealand as well, yeah. No, we didn't. It wasn't giving it up, like, but we had, you know, it was a great experience. You know, I just, I'd recommend it to anyone. Well, I won't be saying it to my own children now, but, you know. Yeah, but, you, like, yeah. you weren't 100% committed, I think, were you? That's why you, you ultimately came home. Oh, yeah, well, it was kind of always going to be, well, well, we was, it was always, well, we always knew we were going to come home, but it was just, for him, for me to go, it was just huge. Can I give anyone that knows me, I'm kind of, I, I don't do anything on impulse. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's kind of planning. Um, it's all planning and it was just so huge I and I still even how many years later I still look back and go I can't actually believe I did that well, you, are you happy like, you did it though I mean you had no oh job God, to come oh, back fantastic. to did you well do you know what it actually it's amazing it opened up an awful lot of doors for me job wise when I came back because I met a lot of Irish over there young guys and I'm in I'm in kind of planning and design house architecture right. and they all eventually came back and they all needed a house so I thought you've awful been very lot. busy set me up they're so going the other up. way again now, though, aren't they? They are. They are, you unfortunately. Yeah, but so then a lot of them come back, hopefully. Yeah, but yeah, you... it was the best thing that I ever did. Um, <laughs> and at the time, I didn't think it. <laughs> Great you story. Know? Well done. Thanks yeah, for sharing it. Appreciate no it. Bothers. I wish Thank I had more time. Just the clock keeps on ticking. Much faster on Fridays for some reason. Shane. Hello, how are you doing? I'd say you'll be the last one. You you spontaneously decided to go to Fla, is it? Uh, Fla in Drogheda. Well, in, when was this? Uh, I'd say it was just before the, the, the COVID all kicked in. It all was right. 2018 or 2019. Okay, so drop everything, go to FLA at the last well, minute and decide to hitch. Well, what it was, is I had a lift arranged to go up on the Saturday. It was, it was on for the weekend. And I, was, I had a lift arranged to go get a lift to Dublin. On the Saturday, I was going to get a bus or something up then to Drogheda from there. But on the Friday, I was home from work and everything by 2 o'clock in the afternoon, sitting on my hands saying, you know something? If I left now, I'd knock a few hours out of the flat and to hell with going tomorrow morning. So I convinced herself to drop me on the side of the road up at Watergrass Hill. <laughs> and I got out of the car, the two children said, Mommy, why are you leaving Daddy on the side of the road? What's happening here? Is he he <laughs> loves traditional music. He loves Irish dancing. <laughs> so, he so loves anyway, I got, uh, <laughs> They were worried sick what was happening to Daddy. But anyway, Daddy got onto the side of the, the, M, or the uh, M7, is it? Watergrass Hill. And hitching up the road. And, uh, you can't hitch on that road, you know that? You're not supposed to, no. apparently. So, well, see, it's funny enough you should say that, because what happened was, I got a lift for this fella, more or less minutes into it, and he was like a rocker going up the road, I said, I'll the flag, no time, brilliant. <laughs> and sure, he was heading for Limerick, he was turning off at Mitchelltown, so I was got out straight away, and thought, I was only sitting in when I put a belt on. Yeah, you'd be hoping of a run all the way. Yeah, All the way. 
Yeah. And then a truck, strangely enough, stopped and picked me up, <laughs> which is a very rare thing. But this fella stopped and he picked me up. And I soon realized that this truck was going slower than any other vehicle in the whole country. <laughs> it was governed for fuel efficiency. You know, so it couldn't drive any fast. You mean so it had a limiter on it, is it? He had a limiter on it, but not for the speed, like every other truck in the country. They were all doing 80 kilometers or 90, whatever the league. He was going even slower. <laughs> And by the time we got up just north of Dublin, it was pitch pooky dark, and he was heading for Donna Bates, so he left me off on the M1. How was his English? Because he was a Pakistani driver. How'd you get on? <laughs> oh, well, the conversation was riveting. It was all about, it was a bit like I'd say ha, and he'd say pardon, or I'd say what, need to ha. You know, it was just. <laughs> it was all about cricket, I suppose, is it? <laughs> It was, yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm a great authority on cricket, so I am. Yeah. <laughs> After that trip. So where did you get to then? Donabate, is it? So, no, no, he left me off just north of Swords in the roundabout for Donabate. <laughs> and I said, this is getting dodgy. You know, when I pulled out the high-vis and I wrapped around my bow on and my, 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 my bag. You had the, the bow on with you, right? I, I had a bow on with me and it was getting cold so far, so I had to warm it up. So I started hitching anyway and the cars were whizzing past us. Surely I could lift out as a busy road and they were blowing the horns at me. Blowing the horns, constantly blowing. Every one of them was blowing, lifting me out of it. And after a while, with no lift coming and next thing, suddenly a car pulled up all of a sudden, out of nowhere. Jason, running for it. Great job. Got a lift. Slide it. Delighted. And just as I put my hand to the door, the blue lights at the top of the car come on and started flashing. Oh, God. God, what do we do here? So Start playing the bow the on Don't no, forget to shovel it If you want to go to work <laughs> Well they roll down the window And where in the name of God Are you going I said I better think of my feet here I better act though Like, like there's nothing else In the world I says I'm going to the fly <laughs> And I said What? The fly Are you, are you going to the fly You're a place for stopping I just I, Whatever I could say Fly now Fly now has different meanings In different parts of the country Including Well I, would, I wasn't going for a fly I was going for <laughs> the fly <laughs> what did they say? So they said, get in quick, they said, first of all. And they said they sat there for a minute and they were kind of sizing me up in the back of the big squad car. And they were thinking about what they were going to do. And they were supposed to bring me back to the barracks and swords, whatever. And I said, I'm going to fly. You know, and it was hard talking. They were both from, one was from me, then I don't know where she was from, but they were both outside of Dublin. But they were very sound. They were dead on. Look, it, we'll bring it as far as Donabate, that's as far as we can go. So, <laughs> we brought me to Donabate. They brought you to got, the barracks? <laughs> no, they brought me to the taxi rank, or the taxi depot, and one of them got out and said, can you get this man a cab to, to, to Balbriggan or to uh, Drogheda? He's going to the flat. So, they got a cab for me straight away, and they helped me out with the bags, and they went to the cab, and waved me off and said, we might see you up there. Anyway, I got to the flat for 12 euros from Cork, and after I got there, the usual crack was on, you go and played a bit of music and they were back at Sarah's house or whatever and we were telling yarns and stories and there was a fellow recounting a story about 30 odd years previous where himself and a friend had got into bother at the Rory Gallagher Festival in Ballyshannon in Donegal yeah. and they were up and down across the border constantly getting lifted out, uh, getting checked up at the court whatever and it wasn't happening and it was happening and it wasn't happening and they got a nickname of oh, the Ballyshannon 2 and that was his punchline the Ballyshannon 2 I You're the M11 are you? And I said, I said, that's not the Ebony Shannon 2. I said, have you ever met the M11? And they all exactly Oh, man, I wish I had more time. Do you know what? There's a great Christy Moore song in that, actually. Oh, come here. We'll get him out for two if we can. Will we? <laughs> Send him the story and put it to music. Thanks, Shane. I'll, I'll hum it if he'll sing it. Nice one, nice one. Final bunch of shout-outs, lad, for Flextronics at Apple Compu- and Apple Computers. Denny's Fitness and uh, Penrose Wharf. Sorry, Penrose Dock. Murview Laboratories in Watergrass Hill. McCarthy Motors in Middleton. Floor 1, Block 8, St. Finbar's Hospital. Top Bar Motor Factors in uh, Tremor Road. Premium Golf Brands. 
Power Aggregates and Carrick Tool, Lissavard National School and the Three Store in Don Square. I have to pick a winner of all of these finalists in a few minutes' time. I think you'd say that Shane would be in there. Uh, you'd think also that uh, Keith would be in there from earlier in the week. Helen, Laura, Ethna. Uh, we got an awful lot more than five finalists. I can tell you, Janice, who did the bungee jump and also got the tattoo. Great stories. So I'll have to pick a winner. Actually, I think I'm just going to give it to Claire. You know all of the stories. They're all fantastic. You pick a winner for our trip uh, to Paris, courtesy of ourselves. No, you can't go yourself. She's asking her ear. Uh, but you can't pick a winner for a two-night trip for two to the City of Love, courtesy of ourselves and uh, Cork Airport and Vueling. A lot of people contacted me, my, contact me by my own Instagram page, uh, particularly if they're looking for different shout-outs or stories that I can get on air. And I I have been encouraging people also to get in touch with their new business startups, particularly if they're different or funky or different ideas. And I get some great stories from people in that. A lot of the time they send me just the most drooling and delicious food photographs of companies that they've just set up. I mentioned that uh, because last week the pie guys delivered some pies into studio. That all started actually in a nutshell because they shared me some photographs of the pies coming out piping hot and deliciously crusty looking with the most beautiful fillings to my own Instagram page. Tim O'Kennedy is behind that. Tim, did you did, are you the man who delivered all of that to me earlier in the week? Was that your good self? Yeah, all of the feeding, yeah? Tim, can you hear me? Yes, sir. How well, are you? Oh, it was, it was you that I met at the radio station, so thank you for that. Listen, I just wanted to give you a shout out because whatever you're doing, don't stop doing it. They're incredible pies. <laughs> that's the feeling that keeps us marching on, I have to say. And that's very much the reaction that we've been having from a lot of people. And I so love the fact that here. you got the side order of mash going with it and the and the coleslaw and everything. It's just delicious. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, look, we, we set out to do that. You know, we just thought pies, you know, this great, noble, but yet humble food. And you can't get a good one anymore. No, and you can't. They're always, the filling is always shocking. Now, the pastry is doughy. They're just, I know. They're, they're just, nobody's really kind of attacking them and saying, I'm going to give you a classic beef and beamish pie. And it's just delightful. Who's, do, who's putting them together? Well, Jamie, the magical Jamie, who's my business partner, and the luckiest thing that's happened to me in, in, a, in a few, few years of doing business, just what a talent. Um, Ada, we started talking about this. I've, I've known him for a while. We started talking about it in the village uh, last year. He was working at Divas in Ballon Spittle, which is yeah. a great place to make pastry and all that. And so, God, you know, we all love a pie, don't we? And he, he <laughs> just sort of lit up and we went, oh, God, I think there might be something in this. So come January of last year, we're parked up drinking coffee gone. There is no reason in the world why we can't kill this and just do <laughs> an amazing job with it. And here we are, you know. You got um, the beef and beamish going on. You got the chicken and tarragon. You got a vegetarian version. You got the bunny chow. Uh, yeah. Like, um, but but what's the secret? Is it the pastry? Is it the filling? Is it the quality of the beef? What? It's sort of all of the above. You know, it's not rocket science. Um, a lot of what goes wrong with a lot of the pies that you find out and about is the ingredient quality isn't there at all. And there's not a lot of craft and time and effort put in there. And we address all of that. So we do a big focus on ingredients. So the beef that goes into the beef and beamish pie is, um, we use Dexter beef, which you may or may not have heard of. It's an, not only is it Irish beef, it's an Irish breed. It was, um, it originated out west. So it's about the is, beef, it's about where you yeah. get the chicken, where you source the, you know, the veg yeah. and everything, and you bring it all together with the man. Where are you guys based? 
Well, we're based in this place called the Black Market, which is out by Parky Creeve on the Monaghan Road. It's a brilliant little venue. We, we looked at a few different places that we could take this thing to and uh, live into this because there's seven or eight class providers of food. There's a great pizza place called Burnt Soma's in here. You're all there, yeah. yeah, yeah. all yeah. here. And it's a really, really nice vibe. Really nice vibe. When are you there? Is that weekends primarily? Yeah, Wednesdays through Sundays uh, from 12 until 8. And yeah, it's a, it's a great spot. Dog friendly even, you know. So it's also, it's <laughs> I wish I had more time to sing your praises because it's just about the the pastry, the filling, but the gravy and the beef and Guinness, the beef and Beamish. <laughs> my God. It's yeah, just... I tell you what, that's going to put a spring in my step and I hope we can put a spring in the step of some uh, more uh, pie lovers in the day. So what is it? It's great eating for like, what, 10 or 12 euro kind of thing? Yeah, it's 12.50 for a meal for which you get this kind of crazy 70-30 mash. You get the homemade pickles. Don't ask me what 70 30 mash is. I was going to uh, ask, is that 70% potato, 30% butter or something? Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> a heart attack in every bite. Yeah, but I'm not asking people to eat them every day. I just want them to try one of them. If they're pie lovers, they've got to taste one. They're just amazing. Yeah, well, totally. That's what we would say anyway. And why wouldn't you say? You should be very proud. Good luck with it. I'm backed Neil, up with time, but it's much. great chatting with you, Tim. Take care. Take you care. too. Hope to see you down here. You better believe it. Tim O'Kennedy, the marketing manager and the partner of Jamie Kelly, who are the pie guys down at the black market. I know you'll have time at the weekend because many people head down around there. you got the marina market and the black market. Do yourself a favour and try out their food. Okay, we got to pick a winner, guys. we got to guess ourselves with regards to a weekend trip to Paris, courtesy of ourselves in Vueling and Cork Airport. So we'll recap and pick a winner, Claire, after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Before we leave you for the long bank holiday weekend, one big shout out for our free food Friday winners for this week. And it is uh, the gang at Cork Metal at Dublin Hill, including Scrappy. Scrappy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you, kids? Why do they call you Scrappy? I'd be scrapping old cows. I'm (laughs) really... How many of you are up there scrapping cars? Well, there'd be how many of you are asking them? Twenty-two. Twenty-two in a good day, like. Will you be able to round up twenty-two of you today for feeding? Oh, they will. They'll be back. They'll be on the road to see now. They'll be all They'll be back. They're coming back straight away. I hear. Well, listen, Roosters Piri Piri is yours for this week. It'll feed between fifteen and twenty of you, so there'll be plenty to go around. All right. Thank you so much indeed. Is there any chance of a big shout out? Just make noise. Anything at all. Happy weekend. Whatever. <laughs> All right, good luck, Scrappy. It's not a great phone line, but have a great long weekend. Food's on the way to Cork Metals, Dublin Hill. Good luck. Good luck, Scrappy and the gang. Scrapping cars all his life. Okay, before they kick us out of this chair, Cork Airport and Vueling.com have given us a weekend trip for two to Paris with Cork Airport. You will be... uh, Cars parked for free at Cork Airport straight away. No problem there. Into the Aspire Lounge and then onto your plane, hotel accommodation, all of the trimmings in Paris, courtesy of ourselves. Um, So, Claire, um, Ethna on Monday took the spontaneous trip to Houston, Texas on a Greyhound bus. She went from Chicago 
to Houston on a Greyhound bus. Laura then um, booked a load of seats at a euro each at the last minute and flew the entire family mm-hmm. from McDonald's at Dublin Airport. Yeah, that okay. was a great story. Okay, Keith, go for Keith's one. Well, Keith had a really good story uh, where his parents were heading out to Malta for their 30th anniversary and when he just went to the airport to wish them luck, his dad said, look, Keith... I've never been away with your mother on her own. Will you come with us? It so was the Irish Malta game as well yeah. they were going to. So he got a lucky... Pat Dawson was bringing the lads out to Malta for the Irish math and he gave Keith some tickets. And um, money. Well, we don't know how that finished. Which he says he has paid back. All right. <laughs> Helen worked in Dunn's stores where herself and her buddy took the day off, blamed a Chinese for <laughs> <laughs> food poisoning and headed off to Kinsale but caught caught, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Janice then did a bungee jump for charity spontaneously. Yeah. Just decided while looking at the bungee. And then when the adrenaline was up, she got her first tattoo. She did. And then this morning, we had um, uh, off to Australia on a whim and a fella going, to the, going for a flash. Shane was very good, yeah. Uh, thumbing up on the M1 was brilliant. It was tough to pick. It's impossible to pick. Very hard to pick. But I must say we had a great reaction on Wednesday uh, to Keith's story. There were lots of texts coming in that day. And they were, uh, they said he must surely be the winner based on his story. What if we find out that he never paid Dawson back though? I don't know, Neil. Do you want to give it to Keith? Is it on the I, basis? That I he... think we should. And that was the biggest reaction from We got a great listening. reaction. All right, Keith. <laughs> no, pizza. Pizza's Italian, you clown. Ah, for God's sake. And I used to spaghetti bunnies a while ago. They said, that's Italian. What do they have in bread? They eat snails. Ah, <laughs> And they eat, like, uh, frog's legs. Ah, oh, Jesus, I might not do Is there a McDonald's there? There's a McDonald's <laughs> there. If I send you to Paris, don't don't let me down now. Don't shame me over there with the French people. <laughs> oh, I would not know, Neil. Jesus, I made I get on very well there, mate. All right. Me said the buddy, me said the buddy looking forward to going. What? The buddy? Ah, uh, yeah, old gymnastic gal there, that's what he, uh, he wants to go with me, and I told him I would if I wanted to. Uh, oh, uh, wait a second, uh, you're not bringing the old doll. Uh, hold on, no need. He's going to say to me, I, I never thought about that. I was only... Hold on a second. I was only joking. <laughs> Go on. Have you a passport? She's gone out, Neil. She just slammed the door. Would you blame her? She's a lot to put up with with you. Bring your wife, it, will you, man? Neil, do you know what? No. <laughs> she'll, re- she'll, she'll find out now in a couple of minutes, though, because she'll have to walk over all her shoes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, listen, get packing a bag, the two of you, on a weekend that suits you in your busy schedule. You're off to Paris, courtesy of yourselves in Cork Airport and Vwelling.com. There is a McDonald's there, incidentally. So, <laughs> and Pat Dawson. <laughs> Pay that man back if you haven't paid him oh, back. Right, right, right. I can't wait to go up to the school and tell the kids I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> Why not? You're going to Paris. You could get a train out to Disney World. Oh, God, you can send him friends this way. <laughs> to Paris. <laughs> oh, to Paris. There's a go on and find a need. All right, well, let <laughs> me know how the trip goes. I want to hear all oh, about it. Another bother by Good luck, good luck, good luck. I speak the language. Go on, right, Cheers. You know, get out the French phrase book, I suppose. Isn't that right? Anyway, congratulations to Keith and to all these other fabulous stories this week. Thanks, Claire. I'll let you get on. Appreciate it. Our lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Can I just say, with all of the other business, a lot of it quite seriously, but I'd like to give a kind of a bit of a happier, clappier, uh, maybe a, 
a bit more lighthearted stuff on a Friday as well, particularly as we're going into the bank holiday weekend. For all of the business, we'll pick up on Tuesday. Stay safe, stay safe, have a good weekend, and I'll see you Tuesday. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.